one. I want to remind you guys, go to HankStrange.com, sign up for our email list. Uh, Lola's always posting deals on there. She also posts deals on Lola's Deals, so either one. She's putting up deals daily. This is the way we got to do it now because of the crackdown on us on social media, which is basically what we're going to talk about once we get into all of this here. Don't forget about Manscaped. Uh, you know, we are we are... We are pushing, I guess, the Manscaped, and maybe I'll ask these guys here later on if they, you know, do they Manscaped, we'll find out, or if they even know what I'm talking about, you don't know, I don't know, but if you want to get something from Manscaped, the Strange 20 gets you 20% off, right, there you go, okay, and also shout out to Franklin Armory, that's the sponsor of the podcast here, I'm going to hit the open button right now. Welcome Bam, back there it to goes. the Hank Strange Situation. Make sure Life you guys subscribe, and thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. Okay, we've got a new guest here, Chuck Rossi. We do this thing called Jazz Hands. I don't know if John told you about that, but basically it goes like this. Everyone's got to do it. There you go. Chuck's doing it. Okay, I hope you guys have your big girl panties on because we are live. This is episode 573 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange. Our guest tonight, there he goes right there. Let me let me uh, get on him. Chuck Rossi is here. He's here. Hello. Okay, and you guys, I don't know. I don't know if you everyone knows who Chuck Rossi is or they don't know. But we're going to find out all about Chuck Rossi tonight. We're going to talk about social media, etc. Uh, I'm sure you're all on social media. You have to be. You're on it right now. You're participating right now. Joining him also, John Crump. There you go. Another social media mogul joining us. Uh, gentlemen, how are, you? how are you guys today? All good. Doing really well. Thanks, uh, thanks for the invitation here, Hank. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, let me let me just do this to start off here with everyone, okay? While you guys are coming in here and smashing the thumbs ups and sharing and everything, first I want to thank both of these guys. So everyone remembers we went through the whole uh, fiasco, you know, the trials and tribulations of Facebook. I think uh, I think Facebook unpublished. We're gonna find out about the right. Uh, names and everything to call stuff today but facebook unpublished us for about eight weeks plus and uh these two gentlemen here were fighting to help us get it back they did help us and i just want to like thank you guys personally so thank you to both of you i really appreciate you guys doing that for me and other folks out there not just for myself uh you guys are involved in getting mr guns and gear back uh todd elfers uh, and, and lots of folks in the gun community that get unpublished on Facebook, right? That's right. Um, you know, we can get into it, but I, you know, spent time at Facebook 11 years there, uh, mm-hmm. doing things like this and helping on the firearms policy and, and all that. And yeah, I've gotten literally hundreds of groups, pages, accounts um, restored, um, and then when they were taken down incorrectly. Um, so it's a, it's a constant battle. Yes. Uh, thanks so much for that. I don't know, uh, John. Can you talk about any of this? I'm assuming. I'm assuming. Yeah, you're muted, John. So. Oh, that was Facebook trying to. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> actually, Facebook is where I actually met Chuck at. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sitting around uh, work one day, and I get a message saying, "Hey, I, I read your article." And the first mm-hmm. thing I thought at that time was, "Uh oh." 
<laughs> yeah. Found so, me out. Yeah. So let's let's uh, we we need to probably rewind here. I just want everyone to know if you're wondering like why we have Chuck here, who he is. He's a gun guy. You know, um, maybe one that you don't see all the time, and maybe we can help do something. Do you want anyone to know about you, Chuck? Are you like undercover on the run? No, not at all. I'm very, uh, <laughs> very in the open. Um, okay. And again, we can talk about it. But I'm a, I'm a co-founder at an organization called Open Source Defense. Mm-hmm. So opensourcedefense.org is where we do our Second Amendment advocacy work. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a, me and a, a bunch of other guys. Um, and yeah, I'd love to talk about that. That's what I do. So yeah, I'm out there. I'm Chuck at opensourcedefense.org. Um, I'm on social media. You can, you know, I'm very accessible uh, as far as that goes. So, you know, I'm not, I'm living very much uh, my authentic self, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, living it out loud. And yeah, very much an established gun nut and um, happy to talk to people. Okay. Okay, cool. So just to backtrack all the way to the beginning, um, how long ago did you start working with with like Facebook? How far back does that go? I started at the very end of 20, uh, 2000, sorry, yeah, 2007, beginning of 2008. Mm-hmm. There were under 100 million users at the time on Facebook. I want to say like maybe 60 million users mm-hmm. on the whole platform. There was maybe 300, 400 employees uh, when I started there. And uh, I obviously came in as the en- as, as an engineer and I, I do a particular type of engineering call it like infrastructure engineering or uh, DevOps. Uh, so I basically was the build and release guy and mm-hmm. eventually became a director there, an engineering director um, in charge of all the release infrastructure for uh, Facebook. That's the mobile apps for iOS and Android, the website, um, you know, and had uh, worked with Instagram, Oculus, Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, you know, all the major properties um, to help release those and do the software infrastructure for those things. Okay. So that's how I got that's how I got into Facebook. Okay, uh, very cool. And um, how does like we have you always been a gun guy? Yeah, you know, okay. I grew up in New York, and uh, family's from the Bronx. Oh, okay. um, I was born in Yonkers okay. and uh, grew up in Westchester County. And, you know, my family wasn't about guns. They were suburbanites. They were recent immigrants, probably from the 30s or 40s from Italy and uh, or my grandparents from Spain and um, Ireland. Okay. They came, they came in the 30s and 40s. Um, and so we didn't have a tradition of guns. And so I grew up without any guns. But in high school, I'm like, you know, guns are cool. Because when you're in high school, I mean, guns are right. cool. Right. And, uh, you know, good parents that they were, this is back in the probably the 70s, early 80s late seventies, um, they encouraged it, right? It wasn't, the stigmas weren't back then. It was like a normal thing, right? Mm-hmm. So they encouraged it, but you know, it's funny because when people think like, and they still do it to this day, it drives me nuts. You tell somebody like, hey, you know, my kid's into into guns. It's like, oh, well my dad hunts, mm-hmm. right? I'm like, what the hell does hunting have to do with it, right? <laughs> I'm not interested in hunting, I'm interested in guns. So right. like, I'm desperate to break this idea of like, to the not initiated, Guns equals hunting, and I'm like, that's not it at all. Hunting's great, and I'm, I'm glad people hunt. Not my it's a thing. part of it. It's a part. It's absolutely part of it. Yeah. It's a cute little side effect of the Second Amendment, honestly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's not why we're here, and it's not why we have access to firearms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do the hunting thing as a teenager, and it, it, it was fine. I just didn't, you know, it didn't appeal to me because I got to shoot like three shots, right? I want to go shoot the gun. I don't want to, you know, if I only get to shoot three shots, I'm not having fun. Right. So eventually they they got me in touch with a competition shooter and I was doing NRA high power um, 200 meter competition 
And this is you were you. I'm sorry, you were still in New York, or you were in California? Yeah, still in New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, not still in New York in Connecticut. I'd, uh, matches were over in Connecticut. Oh, cool. and, you know, New York laws weren't as draconian as they are now. They yeah. were draconian for handguns mm-hmm. forever, but for long guns, it wasn't. It was pretty okay just to get a long gun. Cool. So yeah, I got started with that, and then uh, I didn't move to California until about '89 when I graduated from college. Oh, okay. So. Okay. All right, so you're always a gun guy, and uh, and then you know you became part of this company. So when uh, from the time you were in California, were you in you know things like Facebook, the social media things? Is that just you know what you were doing out there? So yeah, I was in the tech scene from day one, and you got to understand, you know, coming out of college with a computer science degree in any time in yeah. the late '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Silicon Valley is the mecca, right? It's mm-hmm. just like every company was in Sunnyvale, San Jose, Santa Clara, Cupertino, mm-hmm. um, you know, that Silicon Valley area. Mm-hmm. So I went out there working for IBM and uh, man, I started jumping jobs immediately. Not mm-hmm. immediately, about four years at IBM, but it was like, man, there's all these cool startups and you can mm-hmm. just jump from job to job as a tech guy. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for 30 years. I worked at some of the best tech companies in the Valley. In fact, every single one of the companies I worked for had a tremendous success, was had either an IPO or a secondary public offering was bought, mm-hmm. um, you know, had great success with every company. I've been through, I'm on my sixth startup now. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So I'm, sh- I'm sure great. there's, I, I'm sure there's some stories there, right? Because I don't want to say that was like the beginning of tech really, but I mean, that's when everything was like, I remember I was in high school, I graduated high school in 88. So when did I go in? Obviously, I think I went in in 84, right? And I remember using, um, you know, cassettes to record my my stuff that I was doing on the computer. Your programs, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) you know, everything was about to, like, take off, I think, really at that point. I don't know who was the big company when you went out there. Was it IBM that was a big company? Was Apple a thing? Mm-hmm. Apple was not a thing. Okay. Um, they had kind of cratered. These were the John Scully years. Um, they were kind of just meager uh, underdog. It was all about Sun Microsystems, Silicon Graphics, IBM, and mm-hmm. DEC mm-hmm. were the big companies you wanted to work for as a geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the early 90s. And then it all fell apart. As the internet uh, kind of hit in the early 90s to mid 90s, that's when it really got crazy. And that's when Netscape started from the guys at Silicon Graphics, uh, kicked off uh, Netscape. Mm-hmm. Um, then the whole ecosystem just bloomed into the first dot-com mm-hmm. boom of the late uh, late 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I lived through all that and I worked for a couple startups then. And yeah, it was a great time. And yeah. a lot of money was made, a lot of money was lost. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> and sometime in the 90s, John Crump was born. <laughs> we can't hear you john you're muted i'm oh, sorry i graduated from high school in 95 man. oh 95 99 wow yeah yeah so so you didn't you i don't know how much of this you you know you came into tech when it was already like a thing yeah, I mean, I got when I started getting into tech, I started working for ISPs and stuff like that, doing mm-hmm. more the networking side. Yeah, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really on the software side. I was more on uh, like the network engineering side, routing all the traffic, working for companies like UNet and Quest, uh, RCN, mm-hmm. Simplexity. Yeah, just these internet giants. 
yeah, the internet was already a thing. See, I remember, so this is my, this is my experience with all this stuff. I remember being in high school and, you know, really, there, people obviously had video games, right? Like Atari or whatever. People had those. Um, but I, I didn't really have that. But I remember seeing that technology, that computers were going to allow you to make movies. Things like Tron, which wasn't a mostly computer made. There's a couple of things in there that was done from computers. But I just saw that and I got fascinated by it. And, and, um, and I started getting... Um, Eventually, like after I got out of high school and I got money, I started buying like, uh, man, I'm trying to remember the name of the first uh, Mac that I got. Even we built computers specifically for like Lightwave and stuff like that. You know, all those kinds of things were exciting to me. I really thought, wow, this is going to be the way to make movies on a low budget. You know, you didn't have to be this big movie studio to make movies anymore. That's kind of how I wound up doing this whole YouTube thing, right? Because I just skipped yeah. with all that. Go ahead. No, it gives us all the ability. That that revolution that happened mm-hmm. in the 90s. I mean, we had PCs in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s. But when the, when the Mac finally came back in the 90s um, and the PCs and was, was open and everybody was building that stuff cheaper, faster, better, mm-hmm. then everybody could do – I mean, that was an incredibly explosive time that people could do whatever kind of company they wanted. It didn't matter what your background was or mm-hmm. – as long as you understood what you wanted to do or learned about it, you could go. And we live, yeah. you know, now we're living the ultimate expression of that now. I mean, mm-hmm. a couple of guys, coffee shop, MacBook, and, the, you know, you've got your next billion dollar idea. At least that's the that's the way the story goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's, there's some truth to it, right? And it's been a, it's been a great thing. Yeah, uh, I think so for sure. I mean, now you have people who, I mean, literally from their phone, there's people on social media from their phones, they're doing things that are unimaginable and making uh, money that you would have thought only a football player or like a famous actor, you know, would be able to do this from their phone. I'm not, you know, the the, the one segment that is kind of left out of that, and I'm not saying there are, there's probably a couple of guys in the gun space that are doing really, really well. But in the in to bring everything back to what's going on with those of us who believe in the Second Amendment, um, we're advocates. You know, whether you review stuff, whatever it is you do, it's getting tougher and tougher based on what's happening now with social media, right? Because that's the way to get our stuff out there to distribute it. Yeah, and that's the part that drove me nuts. Was mm-hmm. that okay? We've got this great communication mm-hmm. medium, and the in the form of social media and for mm-hmm. me, Facebook and Instagram specifically and mm-hmm. uh, you know, YouTube, YouTube and Twitter. And the fact that you're going to segment it out and, and basically not allow a certain vertical access to that is mm-hmm. inconceivable. I mean, how do you justify that? It's nothing illegal going on. There's nothing, you know, that kind of value judgment, that kind of bias was just done out of ignorance and laziness. And mm-hmm. It's just like you can't do that. If you're in these positions of power where you're near monopolies on communication, you can't just haphazardly make mistakes like this or have poor policies or just be ignorant about these spaces. You have to be an expert in every single space possible. Yeah. And it's doable. I know it's a pain in the neck, but it is doable. Okay. Yeah. So how come and, and, and either one of you can jump in here. You can feel free to jump in, John. How did this all start? Because uh, I'm wondering, Chuck, in the beginning of this, when you started, uh, you said 2007, right? You were with Facebook, uh, sh- probably shortly after it launched, maybe a couple of years. Like you About said. four years after it launched, yeah. Yeah. So initially in Facebook, was this going on? 
No, I mean, when Facebook started, I mean, I, again, back in 2008, mm-hmm. we had just, we had a big party when we popped, when we crossed 100 million users. Mm-hmm. And I would go to the Friday, you know, Mark was doing his Friday Q&As even back then. And mm-hmm. uh, there was maybe, you know, 20 of us in the, that would bother to show up in the room. Who's Mark? And, uh, Zuckerberg. Oh, Zuckerberg. Oh. So, yeah, Zuck oh, would have his, uh, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Zuck would have his uh, his Friday thing, uh-huh. and um, we'd ask him questions and see how the business is going, and he was very clear. I mean, he would give the mission statement every week, mm-hmm. and it's like the whole mission statement was connect, you know, let people connect, mm-hmm. let them communicate, let give them a way to do it. Facebook is not going to do anything to get in the way of that. We're not going to mm-hmm. be the conversation. Right. Facebook's mm-hmm. going to be a conduit for conversation, but we're not going to be the conversation. Right. And that was the way it was for quite a few years as we grew. And it wasn't until probably I want to say after 2016, you know, the Trump election, all that. Then this became like the media and the, the politicians came and said, like, no, you have to police everything on the Internet. Mm. And I my very personal opinion is that I don't think that's what Mark wants to do. Okay. <laughs> um, I think his, I mean, just from hearing him for 11 years, I understand that his passion is about letting people connect. I mean, in his mind, that's still a good thing. Mm-hmm. In the media's mind, that's like, oh, no, you, you know, that's, that's just, you can't do that. You can't let people freely communicate, mm-hmm. you know, with each other. Uh, so that's the part that, that Facebook got kind of stuck in their own success and got blindsided a bit in that they probably didn't expect there'd be all this pushback about letting people connect. Yeah. Okay. And all of a sudden they're in this position of like scrambling to be the internet police mm-hmm. of everything that is every picture, every message, every thing that is said needs to be scrubbed. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a reasonable position to take. It's like, it's like it's a, if AT&T after the telephone was, was invented, they said like regulators said, okay, AT&T, you have to listen to every conversation and take action if you hear something illegal or mm-hmm. you know, make a value judgment or do some action if someone uses your copper wires to do something that we don't like, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not quite clear of why Facebook got stuck in that position or all social media got stuck in that position. I don't think it's the way we need to go. Yeah. Now, go I, ahead. Go ahead, John. I think it's uh, politicians and other people and the cancel culture that we have nowadays mm-hmm. that's doing it. And nobody wants to be tagged as, oh, you're an alt-right platform because some dude said something, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's a hard position to be in. I mean, yeah, some things are going to be ugly. Some, some ugly things are going to be said. Um, but I don't know. I I think as human beings, we can handle that, right? And yeah. we can, you know, the words are their words. People are jerks and and that's the end of it. It's, uh, it's not that you're ever going to prevent people from having thoughts or saying words. Yeah. So I want to be careful here, just so everyone knows this, right? Like, obviously, um, you guys have some inside knowledge, uh, the background of what's going on at Facebook. Um, Chuck, I think you're retired from Facebook, right? What's what's your status yeah. over there? I left Facebook in November of 2018. So okay. I'm, I'm pretty clear. Yeah. Okay. So how are you able to help guys like myself if you're not an employee? So for the last two years, while I was at Facebook, I kind of gave up my engineering role. Uh, mm-hmm. And I got upset in 2016 when Facebook mm-hmm. made some policy decisions in the firearms space that were really um, just kind of hand-handed, mm-hmm. a little bit ignorant. And I said, listen, this is, I laid out very clearly what, what the problem was. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, here's what we did. Here's why it's bad. 
here's why it's hurting users and the people, it's like hurting the platform, what the platform is meant to do. Mm-hmm. And here's how we can fix it. Mm-hmm. And that was well received. I think, John, you must have seen that post if you were there at that time. I don't know if that yeah. went by. Um, it was well received by many people within, in the, inside the company and even people who were not particularly pro-gun or didn't have any passion for firearms. But they're like, yeah, I kind of agree with Chuck. And so Zuck also agreed with it and, and kind of gave me the blessing to go and like, hey, go go look at this. And I became like the SME, the subject matter expert for uh, what we call firearms, but also with, with most platforms, most social platforms, uh, call it safety regulated goods. Okay. So SRG. So SRG is like tobacco, alcohol, alcohol, firearms, CBD, um, all the good things in life, right? So um, <laughs> all those things that you know pose a bit of a problem for mm-hmm. for social platforms. So for two years, I worked with the policy group, the community operations group, to say like, here's where the risks are, here's where they're not, here's where you should be watching out for, here's not, here's some a bunch of slide decks or like for training people. Like mm-hmm. this guy Hank Strange, he's not selling guns. He's he has affiliate links. He has other links. He's like reviewing stuff. He's not personally selling things. He's a business. Mm-hmm. And that's why they didn't understand about you mm-hmm. and, they, and Mr. Mr. Guns and Gear and mm-hmm. Mrs. Guns and Gear and all of them. They're like they see all this stuff flying by. First of all, you're in compliance because you're only posting links generally to external things. You're mm-hmm. not going on Facebook and saying yeah. like I'm not like, know, hey, here's, here's this, you know, here's this. This is. This right. is a this is a toy, by the way, because YouTube we're not allowed to show real guns while we're live. I don't know if you're aware of that, Chuck. Not know that. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into it here. Yeah. But I'm not going. Here's my MP5. I'm selling it. Who wants to buy it on Facebook? Like. You Correct. Know. Yeah. So you were not doing that mm-hmm. um, as a personal individual, mm-hmm. um, and that's where they get tripped up, and that's where the training matters, and that's mm-hmm. where the reps matter, and all that. And that's a solvable problem. So I worked on on time doing that. So when I left, I, I kept good relations with the people still doing that. And people continue to reach out to me and say, hey, Chuck, I lost my page. I can't advertise. My profile's down. My page is down. My group got deleted. And I would get information. And then I would say, hey, yeah, it looks like you're a false positive, quote mm-hmm. unquote. Okay. And then I would just escalate to the people I still know there who care. And they want to do a good job. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, they don't want to be they don't want to take down stuff that shouldn't be taken down. So I get in front of them as best I can, and they take action as best they can. But it's a convoluted process. There's a lot of bureaucracy. It's not as easy as it sounds. Um, but that's where we're at right now, and that's kind of what I've been doing. Okay. Um, and then, John, I know – well, probably most people don't know this. You did work for Facebook, right? And you don't. Do you want to explain that a little bit here? Yeah. I, okay. I, work, I, I was a consultant for Facebook and their data center. Mm-hmm. Um one of their data centers out there um mm-hmm. and that's what i did and that's how i met chuck through there mm-hmm. uh, and i read his post once i came on that was like the first post i saw of you and at facebook uh chuck is known as chuck r so mm-hmm. you say who chuck r is everybody automatically knows it's chuck rossi mm-hmm. okay he's like a, a- uh, like what does that mean? He's OG or something up in there. Yeah, there's a little OG going yeah. on. Name, <laughs> <laughs> you just say Chuck R. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Because on the engineering on the engineering side, I was kind of like I said, I was in charge of the releases of the software. So mm-hmm. if people broke the stuff, yeah, right. You're and like I'm Neo in the Matrix. Something, yeah. It's yeah. like you gotta you gotta fix your stuff. Um, so. Yeah. 
So, so the reason why, okay, and, and definitely here, what I don't want to do for different reasons, I think it's good for us in the community right now to have um, guys like yourself to have some kind of access. And I'm not trying to make that more difficult for you because I think as time goes on here, we're going to need you more and more, right? But I, tomorrow. huh? Maybe not after tomorrow. I got the okay to say that uh, people should expect an executive order coming out from the White House addressing social media. <laughs> yeah, that's so going to be interesting. Yeah, we'll see. The, and we'll see if that'll have any kind of effect on social media platforms. I mean, uh, go ahead. It should. You, you think so? That's really so. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to like set all of this up so people who are looking at this conversation understand where we're going here. Um, for me, and and we always have this thing. So I'll probably I'll start here, right? Lots of people, whenever we have issues with Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, everyone says, "Well, look, they're a private company. They could do whatever they want. They can make up whatever rules they want." Is that true from you guys that are the experts? It's it's certainly true. I mean, they're private. There's no First Amendment rights. There's no Second Amendment rights within Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or, or Instagram. Um, it's true. But now the only except so here's the exception though, and this is interesting that Trump is is kind of talking about this right now. Mm -hmm. They are in effect monopolies of communication, mm -hmm. right? And what's that, Jen? Kind of like utilities. Kind of like utilities, right? And so they're like common carriers. And this is the big. Mm -hmm. When I was, you know, at Facebook, it was like, you don't want to be called a common carrier because now you have a whole bunch of burdens and a whole bunch of uh, uh, issues that you have to address. So yes, there should be a way. You know, I'm not big on government intervention in anything, really, right? Most um, of us I, aren't. As just like the nature of what we believe. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not in a hurry to say the government should go do more stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I will say that it might be the only source of relief if the companies are just not owning up to the fact that they are just making all these biased decisions um, in how they and I, I, again, I have sympathy for for, you know, at least my experience with Facebook and Instagram. I have sympathy for the companies because it's a really hard problem. It's what's expected is just not possible on a scale of two point four billion people worldwide mm -hmm. in every language on every continent on every country on the planet mm -hmm. so there is a solution here um but unfortunately it's not going to be the sledgehammer that trump is trying to swing here and it's not the solution of a million contractors that the social media companies are trying to solve it with there's something in between um, but i'm convinced there is a way to do this uh and maybe you know, if we can all get together somehow and talk about it um you know, and I know one of the things that comes up a lot is that there's special uh, exemptions in the law that social media platforms have, right? Uh, maybe things that prevent them from being sued. Right. right? So protections, if they if they can't get 100, they'll never get 100 percent coverage. So if there mm. are, in fact, just yesterday, there was like some quote unquote whistleblower that said like, oh, there's opioids on Facebook. Like, no, no kidding. There's opioids on Facebook. There's opioids on Craigslist. There's opioids over AT&T on the phone. There's opioids, there's opioids on the streets. <laughs> on the streets. So <laughs> yeah. surprise. And like, right. oh, Facebook didn't take them all down. It's mm. like you can, you're not going to get that 100 percent compliance. So, mm. yes, some sort of legal coverage, say, like, you know what? You show that you have a process mm -hmm. and you have best practices and it's open and vetted mm -hmm. and you follow your process. You're covered. OK, right. you have you, you thought about it. You put a solution in place 
and you, you are aware of the situation and you, you have, you can report on it, that should be enough. So I can't sue Facebook or Instagram or YouTube for, you know, something I saw or some, some illegal illicit activity that happened on the platform. Mm -hmm. So the reason why, go ahead, John, I know you want to say something here. Uh, You also have to realize that, uh, there is a bias in social media companies within the employees sector themselves. And Silicon Valley is very left-leaning, and it's a very monoculture. And a lot of people who work for Silicon Valley companies that live in the Silicon Valley don't exactly realize that they're being biased because everywhere around them. It's just their culture. It's the, yeah, the culture of their environment. Yeah, so the problem is, like John said, it's it's a monoculture, mm-hmm. which means you're you're just stuck in this worldview that has no other reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you start to think a certain way, and then if something comes and pierces that delicate little bubble, you think it's you know got to be it's just outrageous. It can't be allowed. Yeah. And I you know I complained at Facebook like if you work at a place like like a social media site, you need to have a detachment and an ability to look at things that you don't like and actually work to make it that those things stay on the platform, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, that a lot of people can't handle, I can do that. I, I took down gun groups that were uh, that were going against policy and selling and trying to sneak in gun sales. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept things up of groups that I thought were like, what they're talking about is pretty offensive to me and I don't agree with it at all. But you know, it's mm-hmm. like within, within policy and, you know, God bless them, let them go. Mm-hmm. So you have to have that ability, if you work in these companies, to divorce yourself from your personal feelings about X, Y, Z, mm-hmm. and understand the bigger the bigger picture here. Yeah, you have to be like Solomon. So, <laughs> so, here's one of the, so here's the thing. I know they have these special protections. I was talking to Jonathan that owns Arms List. You guys are familiar with Arms List, right? And, and huh? Yeah. Yeah. So Jonathan was saying to me that he doesn't because a lot of gun guys are like, you know what, if Facebook is going to do this to us, then the government should take away these uh, protections from them. And Jonathan was like, no, we if, if we advocate for that, you know, the whole thing, like I see people saying even in the chat now that we should start our own platforms and do all of this is going to go away because you won't have that like arms list is one of those platforms and he uses those protections to stay around because as a platform they're trying to get rid of him now just to like paraphrase what he was trying to say he said instead what we need to do is realize like okay these companies are private companies but for them to say to us just as a class of people as gun guys no you can't you know you can't talk about guns on our platform is is kind of similar especially because you know second amendment it's in the constitution to a, a, a hotel telling someone of color like you know a black guy hey guess what you can't stay in this hotel you know it's our private property we could do what we want no black people here right so there's some similarities there if we could show that there's a definite bias against us just based on the fact of us being uh, gun people what do you guys think yeah. about that I mean yeah I mean unfortunately we're not mm. a protected class um, mm. because in theory it should be everybody um, mm. but again to go back to consumer protection or business protection mm-hmm. you could certainly make the case that certain businesses and certain um, you know you, you I would start there mm. 
businesses need to have a presence on social media. If you are a business and you do not have an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube account, you're effectively not much of a business. Yeah, you I mean, don't, any, you don't, anything you don't consumer, exist. You don't exist. Yeah. It's like you need to have those. So mm -hmm. I would first go with that and say that businesses need to be on those platforms. You can't arbitrarily say which businesses can or can't be because, again, you have to go for this monopoly status. Mm -hmm. You guys are a monopoly. If I'm not on the platforms, I'm effectively dead. Mm -hmm. I need government protection. Mm -hmm. right? uh, so that's a good starting point uh, as far as like getting access to the platforms. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and to your point, uh, Hank, you know, readers, and I see this all the time, like, oh, we'll just start our own gun book, you know, or, right. or gun tube or whatever. Yeah. And that's great. You can start those all day. There's a thousand of yeah. them out some there. Some people noticed some eye rolling from you when that happened. But but like, I don't know quick. if you can see I the like, chat. <laughs> no, I can't. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> I, 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 um, I just can't tell you. It's mm -hmm. just a bit. Uh, here's the deal. Don't go get don't. I don't want to be chased in the closet with this stuff. I don't want to be off in my own little corner of the internet on GunTube where we do this stuff and we slowly die, okay? We need to be in the public square, 100%, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm, I know we're all got our feelings hurt because we got our ass kicked, but turning and running is not really in my playbook. Mm -hmm. So I want to stay in the public square and I want to make a stink to be there, okay? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it it's a pain in the neck and you feel you're getting shat upon all the time, but mm -hmm. just... We got to stick it out. We can't go be go go get shoot off in our own corner of the internet where we will just die. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you feel so, about this, John? Where where do you come down on this? On the yeah. on the a whole subject, like like Chuck's saying, of us going off and just doing our own thing. Uh, I don't think uh, I, I want to speak to how feasible that actually is, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's very feasible. Let's take YouTube for example. Uh, you're a gun guy, but most of the videos that you watch aren't gun related. No. They're car related. <laughs> yeah, me, me personally, yeah, I watch a lot of car stuff, yes. But you're yeah. already here, so if you look for gun related stuff, are you going to look for it on the platform that you're looking for 80 other things on, or are you going to go to a platform that only has that one specific thing on? It's pr probably not, and I'll tell you why. It's like my website, and, and Lola complains to me about this all the time. We have a website, there's a link, you know, or, or there's a menu, right? And Lola's like, oh, if you're looking for this, it's in the menu, and no one wants to go through the menu. The menu of the website. No one wants to go there and click on this and then, then there's a drop down and then click on another thing. She's like, that's way too much for people to do. And, we, and, we, and we've got to admit that at some point. Yeah. Any, any kind of friction between you and, and getting what you want is just a non-starter. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Not, not in a high speed world like this. Look, I'm one of the guys. This is me. I, I do believe in having your own stuff. I've advocated for a lot of alternative platforms. I've had those guys on and all that kind of stuff. One of the things I've realized from spending a few years behind this is that not only what like what we're saying is absolutely true, right? But here's another thing that's really true. It's incredibly expensive and how are you going to fund this thing? You know, we're we're talking like in the firearms industry, <laughs> the the money just doesn't even exist. I'm not saying there's not money in the firearms industry, of course there's money, but the money for this kind of thing just doesn't exist. That's why all the companies are sitting on the fence of this. And at the same time, like what you guys are saying, they don't want to invest in these companies when they when they feel like, hey, Facebook is the place to be. YouTube, 
you know, Instagram. They're not going to invest in these other places. So if that doesn't happen, then we wind up in obscurity if that's the only option that we have. You know, maybe it's a good alternative option, but it can't be the only option. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'm, I'm, like Chuck said, uh, these platforms are the public square. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you get excluded from the public square, you lose a lot of power politically and also socially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so then what's the solution? Like I see some people are saying then take away the immunity from these companies. What do you think about that? Do you think that's like even the threat of that is something to make Facebook, YouTube and all these other social media companies think about what they're doing? I know there's stuff in the news right now about Twitter. They're trying to demand that Twitter censor or delete the president. <laughs> Altogether, which mm, that's interesting. I mean, that's we're, like we're going to come back to what's going on here with Trump. But w- what do you guys think about that? For sure, you know, for sure, the platforms care about that. Um, they want to do. They want to run their business. They want to be successful. They want to crush the competition. They want to mm-hmm. be make a lot of money ultimately. Okay, and do good. Mm-hmm. But yes, they absolutely pay attention to that stuff. So if there is any government action or any pressure. And this has been kind of the problem in the past. I think they were too quick to cave uh, when stuff like that went on, and they were like, ah, but they don't realize they're pretty powerful. Like they're the they're the they're the 800 pound gorilla in the room. They can push back and they can control the messaging, <laughs> what gets out to people, and they can advocate for their own interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they did that sh- strong enough. I think they were too wimpy, and I think they caved a little bit too quick to the politicians and the pressure. Mm-hmm. But for sure, they're going to pay attention when noise like this starts happening and calls for regulation or whatever. And Mark, you know, if you saw Zuckerberg when he did the uh, congressional um, hearings, which were everyone kind of was just like, oh my God, rolled their eyes for how bad the questions were and how the understanding of the, uh, the, the senators and the, the representatives who were grilling him, he made the point of like, listen, you guys do this, stop putting this all on me. It's like, you know, you, you know, you make the laws you do this uh get off my back so anyway yeah that whole that whole thing became that so the whole thing with when zuckerberg was up there kind of became like a massive fiasco you know um i think what most people are stuck on was that he looked like data from star trek yeah Yeah. (laughs) and they and then and because and this is like one of the problems we have in society (laughs) right like we get stuck on that and we ignore the boring stuff that's really what affects us, right? Like the fact that these, that these um, okay, um, the idiots the, who are politicians that are running everything won't even take the time to try to figure out what's going on here, you know? Because if they did, if they really actually took the time to figure out, if they cared about it, it would be so much easier, but it just, but ultimately they didn't care. The media was like, oh, it looks like he's a robot. <laughs> you know, everyone got caught up in that. And no one's solving the, the real issue at the heart of this, that people are getting disenfranchised of, of their voice through what's happening. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most of the politicians are like 80 years old, too. Yeah, well, yeah, that's, an, yeah, that is another, that's another problem. You know. Yeah, they're just in a, not in a position to be successful. They're just not set up for success uh, to be able to handle nuanced things like this or things that need depth. Mm-hmm. And I, I found that 
across. So my experience with government was um, in 2016 during the Obama, I uh, know 2014, 2013 uh, during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. I took a break from Facebook, and I went and worked with the uh, the U.S. Digital Service, which was like a Peace Corps for geeks. Mm-hmm. Right. They basically it's, this all fell out from like, remember the whole fiasco with Obamacare when it rolled out, the website crashed. No one could right. sign up for it. It was a whole disaster. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely. So a lot of these things do that. Right. So the president right. gets on the phone and says, like, we need nerds, you know, go get me nerds. <laughs> so um, the powers that be basically called Silicon Valley. said, give me your nerds. Uh, we got to fix this thing. So a bunch of people from Facebook, Amazon and Google who were pretty senior, well-known engineers, dropped what they were doing, headed to DC, and worked like dogs for however long it was, three months, six months, and got this thing um, up and running again. And that started this idea of this Peace Corps for nerds where you could sign up and do this kind of tour of duty in the government. And I did that for, uh, for a while and got to see firsthand. I worked um, with the DOJ, I worked on, um, the uh, UCR, the Uniform Crime Report, and I worked on NICS, the National Instant Check System that we all use for gun purchases. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was there doing an, an analysis, a deep dive on NICS 2.0 rollout back in 2016, I think it was, or probably earlier. Um, so yeah, I got to see firsthand how these things operate, and yeah, it's not pretty. I, I don't, I don't, I want to be unkind, but it's not that always the best and brightest go into government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you're really on top of your game, you're gonna go into private industry and work for a startup or for a company with all sorts of benefits and all sorts of opportunity and ability to move fast and, and do things and have impact. That's not the mentality for, for how things happen in the government. Yeah. And the people who are there are not versed in that vocabulary. They don't know how to do those things. So, I mean, the, the bright spot was there were things like USDS that was giving, giving them the tools like, hey, here's how we do the best of the best in Silicon Valley and how to do things well. Um, but just going in, like I worked for Social Security as well, and I saw a system that, man, it must've cost six, $700 million. And all it was doing, it was taking a medical form from point A to point B, like literally a PDF from point A to point B. And it was $700 million and it was two years behind schedule and it did not work. Yeah. And I try to think how many startups I could do for seven hundred million dollars. It's just the it was mind boggling. So, yeah, that's the that's, you know, if you're going to complain about government, I can tell you there's a way to do something about it. Get off your butt and go work for something like the USDS. Get in there. Bring your skill set. If you know how to do things well, especially in the IT space or, or technology space, go and do that and get a tour of duty. Do a year just to see and get some experience and try to make things better. Because right now you're right. I mean, the government is not the most functional thing and it's not the best people there. And that's why you get things like we saw with the congressional hearings. It's just like, you have no way to do this correctly. Yeah, so. and, and do we even, so for example, do we even want a government form of uh, social media platforms? No, no. No. <laughs> no, we don't want them having that kind of control over that. I mean, we could see that just from the whole COVID situation. Did you want to um, interject something here, John? Yeah, talking about what Chuck's saying about mm-hmm. going in the I, I worked for uh, the government, and one of the requirements of working for a private contractor for the government, I should say, mm-hmm. not directly for the government, and they wanted us to design something for them, and they wanted, uh, this is gonna make no sense to 99% of the people who are watching this, 
but one of their chief engineers said, we need you to get DNS servers to run on our Juniper routers. So they wanted to use... Mm-hmm. I, I have no router. idea what that means, but okay. It's, it's a really bad idea. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. <laughs> the government had a really bad idea. Okay, so it's a Monday. <laughs> Possible, but it's not what you want to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's bass backwards. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, the point being, it's like you really have to start from a place where there's all these built-in assumptions and decades of legacy that is so hard to, by design, so hard to unpeel. Mm-hmm. And again, places like USDS had special. We worked. I worked for the executive office of the president, so mm-hmm. that was our, our 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 magic card to go in and say like, they'd go. I'd go into a project and like, well, we can't do that. We vote something like, well, executive office of the president says you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know. So I threw down my Obama card, and that was like, okay, let's yeah. let's let's so, actually get it done. So does that does that um whatever that was does that still exist? It does. And if anybody's okay. interested, they can contact me. I can get you in touch with people and, uh, you know, you can yeah. go and get things done. Right. First, you got first of all, you got to be one of these guys. You got to know what the hell you're doing. It's not just for everyone to jump in there. I mean, I, yeah, but I mean, I, I think if you have a passion and if you're a, any sort of subject matter expert of any any reasonable degree and quite a number of of disciplines. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you can still have impact. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what's the solution here. What about, uh, I'm not really open source, you know, what about something blockchain, you know, like all the stuff that the government wants to resist? Is that a solution to this where, you know, not in private hands, not in the government hands, you know, a magical matrix uh, utopia for us all to live in? Yeah, I don't think I want to go that route. <laughs> I want. No. I think you want the government to be able to have access to those things, access to the base, to the best, you know, cryptology, the best, you know, bit, uh, the best Bitcoin, you know, the best, uh, the best AI, the best ML, the best things that they can get a hold of and use and leverage. Mm-hmm. But you just, you know, don't necessarily want them being in charge of it or coming up with it on their own. Mm-hmm. Although there's very good, you know, that's there are very good focused areas in the government that do good things, mm-hmm. you know, in those areas. Um, so it's all, you know, it's not without, uh, it's, it's all is not lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, someone's, uh, I don't know what looks like Trump, uh, Crump, excuse me, is uh, getting some info there. Night Train is bringing up what you brought up earlier, John. Trump threatened to shut down social media platforms after Twitter put a fact check warning on his tweet. Um, do you know specifically, you were saying something about Trump, do you know specifically what, what he's going to do there? Yes. Okay, um, and Yule Adam says after it affected him only, which is one of the problems that we have, you know. Um, so what is it? Can you tell us? No. Oh, damn it. When are we going to find out what this is? Uh, I would say you would probably have a very good idea within the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. 24, okay, so this will be breaking news soon, soonish. Yeah. Uh, Chuck, do you want to guess what it is? <laughs> you know, there's, there's actually little that he can do, mm-hmm. I think, by executive order or um, mm-hmm. uh, it'd have to be some, I don't know, it'd be, I think it'd be kind of limited, quite honestly, or it might be symbolic. Uh, I don't think that'd be anything yeah. too dramatic. But. I, I, I don't see how it's enforceable. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what I was going to say. Like, how? First of all, you're talking about companies that are very wealthy, have lawyers, and going to fight back. 
And then, you know, basically the administration, everything the administration does, uh, the Democrats out there are completely against it. So that can get caught up in, uh, you know, in, in, uh, in litigation safe. forever. I think it's safer, Adderley. Yeah. Um, Jane, go ahead. James Miller says the answer is for a few rich uh, pro-gun billionaires to buy these platforms. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen. That's a good point. Sorry, John, go ahead. There is a a billionaire trying to buy Twitter, trying to do a hostile takeover of Twitter, a right-wing billionaire. Mm -hmm. Is that going to be a solution? So we don't we don't need that. I mean, it'd be great if it happened, but mm-hmm. we need at least somebody of quote unquote note, um, someone you know, some random billionaire, millionaire, whatever, mm-hmm. some industry leader, someone to come out in support of us, in mm-hmm. support of gun rights. Because I mean, look what happened. Like you guys saw last year that New York Times, you know, full page ad signed by you know 15, 20, 30 CEOs all against quote unquote gun violence, mm-hmm. right? You had 30 CEOs of like some very important companies, very big companies we've all heard of, basically brainwashed by by Bloomberg's, you know, anti-gun machine. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is embarrassing for them. As CEOs, they're supposed to know what's going on. And they signed up based on a one-sided biased propaganda that they got fed through some mm-hmm. assistant, basically. Mm-hmm. And they signed off on that thing. And it, you know, as, as we as gun owners look at what they were complaining about, and you're like, you didn't look at any of the math on this. You just signed off on something without knowing about what you're talking about, and you look bad. That's only us, though. To the rest of the world, looks like, hey, look at these guys and gals standing up to the, you know, to this gun violence, blah blah blah. But there were really important people on those. Show me one, you know, one public anything of anyone of note in favor of of gun rights, right? Any CEO, any public major public figure that's who's not, out there. That's not a, that's not head of a um, of a firearms industry company or that even, right. or yeah. are we even are we including fire no no who's not part of the industry like some some you know because the the ceo of citibank and levi's and all those places are not not part of the industry but they're out right. there you know slamming the industry all day mm-hmm. so where are the ceos and leaders you know who are on our side and who are willing to you know they're out there i know there's pro-gun people at that level i know mm-hmm. at least of some of them mm-hmm. but they're you know they're not going to say a word Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to fix that. We need to make it so that gun culture is acceptable and gun culture is something that's reasonable and something that reasonable people can support. Mm-hmm. Right? I know the CEO of Darden Rust Restaurants is pro-gun. Mm-hmm. That's a start. Yeah. If we <laughs> can o- like Darden and stuff like that. Yeah. If we can only get them to actually um, put that on record and get out there. Look, one of the biggest problems I think that we have facing us when it comes to the Second Amendment in America is that we can't even get the Supreme Court to get on board with something that's written into the Constitution, right? And we hear the cases. Yeah, we. So I mean, you know, we've got, and then, and then, yes, we do have all of these, uh, you know, all of these CEOs in there. And, and look, for that matter, we've even got entertainers and things like that that people, for whatever crazy reason listen to that they're jumping on that while at the same time they have guns they have armed security bodyguards and all that kind of stuff but they're anti-gun right i see people talking about it but this is a reality right so that's probably what we'll get before the ceos that there are some notable instagram celebrities and notable um uh, celebrities who are kind of leaking out some pro-gun stuff. I think Post Malone had some really interesting um, posts on Instagram of him. He's got like a, a braced Glock and some other stuff. Um, 
yeah, that was the Will the Will Smith video where he like shows proper safety and handling techniques for prop oh, okay. guns. Yeah, um, stuff like that. So I'm sure they're out there. And of course, obviously, and talk about a monoculture. Mono if you're in Hollywood, you're not going to be, you're, you know, it could be career suicide to come and out too strongly in that regard. But I mean, there's cracks in the uh, facade here, right? Mm -hmm. So let's help those people get, you know, let's normalize things more so those people can can get out there and support us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he the deal with F1 firearms. Wow. Okay. Um, and I know, I think, uh, who was it? I think it was like Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp. One of those. No, Brad Pitt said some pretty anti-gun things, I think, in the past. Johnny Depp then. It's one of those guys. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder the, because uh, I thought, I know like you, you do have celebrities in Hollywood that are pro-gun, but they're always trying to walk this fine line. They don't want to, you know, they do want to get into that next movie. They don't want to be blacklisted. Uh, from that movie, and there and there's lots of people. Um, I recently saw um, uh, Charlemagne the God, who is the guy that had this conversation with Biden, where at the end of it, Biden said, "If you're not uh, voting for him, you're not black enough." Uh, Charlemagne the God has been out there saying, talking about the Second Amendment, right? You know, because of because of all the things we see happening in the news, right? We see people of color getting killed by police officers. This is one of the reactions that people have to it. I believe, I believe personally we need to have a more balanced reaction than that. I think it's terrible to see police officers unnecessarily killing anyone. Um, at the same time, they're not all terrible. And just having, you know, just having the Second Amendment is not a solution to that. Because we already have the Second Amendment. There's already guns out here, and it's not stopping that. But it's good that they're getting on board, but somehow they need to get on board in an organized way. The problem with a, the problem with an organized way is that you have all these scattered people that really probably do believe in the Second Amendment, but they don't want to have like a big, you know, thing, you know, a big convention and say they believe in the Second Amendment because they're worried about what the Bloomberg, the, the every towns are going to do to them and just go after them. If you go back to when uh, uh, Killer Mike had that conversation with Coleon Noir, they basically threatened to shut this guy's career down. You know, and he pulled back from it. And and that was like a good opportunity, even though like, honestly, when I look at Killer Mike, I think this guy's straight up socialist <laughs> at the minimum. <laughs> you know, but he believes in the Second Amendment. You've got lots of rappers out there. You've got actors, you've got executives. Some of the executives of these companies are the ones buying the most expensive guns out there. You know, yeah, and I think the again, this is so again, we got to leverage social media here. This is where social media, again, the main platforms are on our side because mm -hmm. if you can have these guys just subtly every once in a while in the old Instagram feed, they're there at the range or getting training or they show up at like somebody's class and they, mm -hmm. they show up at a, at a good, uh, you know, a good, a good uh, fire instructor. Mm -hmm. That's all we need, you know, those little drops here and there where they're dropping them with their, their favorite, you know, carbine mm -hmm. or their favorite pistol or whatever, just to normalize it, just to get like, hey, this is not verboten. This is not something that that is shamed, right? Yeah. It's just enough to, to see them in a positive way uh, with, with a firearm. Yeah, or even if we could just somehow figure out a way to separate the Second Amendment from the rest of politics. Because what, you know, what does it really have to do with the rest of politics? 
somehow it's been one of these things that's put into like this is only if you're right wing, you're conservative, if you're a Republican, you believe in the Second Amendment. That's 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 not factual. No, that's that's exactly right. That's what drove me nuts. And, and this is why I, I was so happy to get with the guys who founded Open Source Defense. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said in the beginning, we are 100 um, percent. So our tagline is like 100 percent gun rights, zero percent culture war. Mm-hmm. Right. We want more gun owners. We don't want to bring any of the baggage that comes with, you know, traditional gun owner circles. It's mm-hmm. like, I don't care what your what your deal is, but if you're a gun owner, you're in the fold. Mm-hmm. And so our message, our media, our articles, our newsletter that comes out every week, um, our stuff we do on podcasts, all that stuff is 100% on making more gun owners and making uh, gun owners popular. Um, okay. So, you know, we don't want to be an unpopular minority. Uh, and gun owners right now are becoming an unpopular minority. Mm-hmm. And to fix that, it's like make more gun owners and make it more attractive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, open source defense is the way I can do those things, drop that baggage that comes with uh, kind of more traditional gun groups or pro gun groups or what have you um, and get more people comfortable. And to, you know, to talk about current events, you know, this COVID thing's got a lot of people freaked out, right? Mm-hmm. Especially in the early days in, in March. Mm-hmm. You've read the reports. You've all read the reports of like new gun owners coming out of the woodwork, uh, gun stores overwhelmed, waiting, you know, lines to get in there. Inventory's gone. Can't buy anything. So we saw that open source defense, and we we started office hours. We's like, hey, we got a shared calendar. Anybody on on the planet can come in and log in. You know, just just set up 30 minutes with us for free. And we'll be your gun buddy for 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever it takes. We will talk to you about guns. If you haven't bought a gun yet, we'll we'll talk to you about the process. If you have bought it, we'll tell you about any questions you have, how to be safe with it, the safety rules, all that. And we've had tremendous success with that. And we've had you know dozens of people come through, complete strangers, and they say, hey, yeah, I want to buy a gun. How do I do it? Or, hey, I bought this new shiny new Glock. What's the deal? And like, okay, here, here's how we do it. Here's how we load. Here's how we unload. Here's how we be safe. Here's how we go to the range. Here's how we buy ammo, um, all that. So if anybody, obviously this audience is probably not going to be uh, needing that, but if they do have people who are in that boat of a new gun owner and need a gun buddy, uh, go to opensourcedefense.org and you'll see a sign up there for our office hours. Just like pick a, pick a time, what's convenient for you. We'll get on Zoom. You and I will have a chat. It'll be fine. You'll have a good time. Yeah. Is this the, um, so right now I'm rolling in. Um, there's an article, this was in uh, the Armenian Reporter or something like that. There's a couple of articles out there. It's a uh, meet the gun safety instructor holding office hours on Zoom. That's, is this what you're talking about? Yeah, we got us some press uh, with uh, um, The Guardian and with uh, NPR and uh, mm-hmm. with the BBC News Channel. Um yeah. And there's some other things in the pipeline as well as well. So, yeah, the media's had some interest in this. Um, of course, they try to spin it a bit negative. The stuff that's come out has been pretty neutral to positive, I would say, which is surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely picked up some uh, momentum and got some attention. Yeah. I don't think that could um, hurt. Like, listen, my, my opinion of all of this is you do have to think about politics, especially when there are specific politicians that are saying, yeah, we are here to take the guns away from people. So you do have to think about it. But yes, you're right. When this thing happened, when it was the end of the world, everybody got on the gun bandwagon. So, yeah. 
It wasn't yeah. an unreasonable thing. I mean, people, yeah. the stories that we got from people was we asked them, you know, oh, what, you know, how did you decide? And these guys, these are people are very traditionally not, mm -hmm. they, these people were first time gun owners for sure. And not mm -hmm. from circles that you would expect. One guy was a, was a, you know, tried and true socialist. Um, a couple dudes, you know, again, had very left leaning tendencies. One lady was actually an anti-gun person who kind of trolled us by making a, uh, <laughs> no. a request. And we followed up and said, well, actually, if you'd like to talk, we're still open uh -huh. to it. And, and turns out she bought a gun. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So it's incredible the uh, how people at least have an idea of like, listen, it's not unreasonable to be prepared. It's not unreasonable to take your safety as your own responsibility. It's like we all it's great. There's a police force and whatever, but it's been very clearly proven through a thousand different court cases. The police are not there to protect you. No, they're there to protect society as a whole. There is nothing in anybody's job description to protect you besides you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and they got that when they saw people fighting over groceries, when they saw their stores empty, when they saw they couldn't leave the house, when they saw like kind of played it forward, like, Hey, if this gets worse and I have resources and no one else does, where does that put me? Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't think that's paranoid, crazy thinking. Like if I said this a year ago, you'd think I was a bad case. But after this little experiment with uh, with COVID, people are like, OK, it's not that far off that mm -hmm. we could go from Sunday in the park to I got to think about, you know, the things I have, the things I need for me and my family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Go ahead, John. Because I used to own because I have a thousand rolls of toilet paper, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the interesting thing about all of this is that a lot of people and I and I think guns are a gateway drug to freedom. Right. A lot of people who are not thinking the way that we are. By the way, there's been lots of Democrats and liberals, socialists or whatever in America that have guns that have had guns. Right. That's yeah. always been a thing. It didn't start here. But yes, lots of people that were ignoring this got on board. The funny thing is. Not that not only do we not have an apocalypse, but the people were, who were out there taking away freedom, that wasn't like roving bands of criminals. It was the government was who was taking away freedom from people. That's the funny thing about this whole thing. And something interesting that I saw, and I, and I want to get from you guys what you think about this. I saw Joe Rogan talking to someone on his podcast about the Michigan protest where these guys went in there with, with, with their rifles and everything, right? And there, nothing happened. The, the cops were there. The cops had rifles and handguns. These guys were there. It was a pretty peaceful protest so far as I could see. But Joe Rogan was really upset about this and worried that this happened. And to me personally, I thought, like, yeah, you know, there's nothing wrong with them going to the government with guns. Because when the government comes to you, they're coming with guns. What's wrong with you going there and reminding them, like, hey, you work for us. You know, they did it in a peaceful way, but the government needs to be reminded of that. And that's another reason for guns, like we were talking about on the top of this. So, I mean, I don't know who wants to jump in here. What do you guys think about what you saw in Michigan? Well, I, I, I don't want to answer what we saw in Michigan uh, mm. because directly involved and in that I was directly involved in what happened in Virginia in January mm -hmm. where thousands upon thousands of gun owners mm -hmm. 
Every yeah, hold, whatever what you said, uh, you know, there was like a something ripped by Chuck's house there. <laughs> All right, uh, back in January, in uh-huh. Virginia, thousands and thousands of gun owners, all with AKs, ARs, even a bear at 50 cal, mm-hmm. were in the streets of Richmond, surrounding the Capitol, and not a uh, single act of violence happened. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the gun, it's about the actual people. But I think think uh, about the Michigan thing is that I see how it can be ex- exploited by the anti-gun to mm-hmm. try to frame everyone with a gun as a psycho. I saw an article where it talked about them storming the Michigan Capitol mm-hmm. with, <laughs> with their guns, which didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went into the Michigan Capitol with their guns. And I do see where the governor of Michigan is trying to ban uh, protests with guns now, mm-hmm. saying, look, these people showed up at the Capitol with guns. It's like they were peaceful. They yeah. actually went metal detectors. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, let's say they ban um, protests with guns in Michigan. So does that mean the cops won't have guns? I'm just curious about it. I'm just curious how that how that exactly works, you know? Uh, doesn't doesn't work like that. No, no. What do you think about this, Chuck? Do you think uh, like did, did you feel did you you know were you worried when you saw those things? Did it bother you? I didn't pay as much attention to the Michigan yeah. deal, uh, but I think I'll stick to John's point, which is I was really impressed by the uh, by the Virginia thing. Mm-hmm. So it was all sorts of predictions about how wrong it was going to go in Virginia, and it. In my mind, it went really well. I mean, the media is going to spin it bad no matter what. But even they had a little bit of hard time, you know, making it look bad. I think we came out looking pretty good there. The only thing I wish they were just like fewer white bearded guys. Um, <laughs> Virginia it was it wasn't a lot of white bearded bearded guys. You're right. It was a little bit better than than most. I mean, I'm going to say it was still a lot of white bearded guys, but it was better than it's been. Yeah. And that's the key. And and again, if Michigan were fewer bearded white guys, uh, it would be awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think so. Here's my reaction to that. I I think that first of all, there's a lot of white bearded white guys in America. You know, and the one of the reasons why you'll see why you see this is because those guys. This is one of the things of uh, wealth, I believe, right? To me personally, right? You know, I think wealth is generational. So, in other words, you have to pass on to your children and your children's children the ideas that come along with wealth and maintaining that. And to me, the Second Amendment is the same thing, right? This is how you maintain your freedom. And all of that kind of stuff has to be passed on. So amongst uh, the white, the, the white bearded guys, that's been going a lot longer. Um, it's been, it's existed amongst black people and other people of color. They're just not as public about it. And we need we need more people to be public about it and stand up and do these things. Um, and we're kind of getting that, but that's also the reason why we're getting this massive pushback from social media at the same time. You know, who's going to want to do this if they see, oh, if I talk about this on Facebook, I'm going to get banned. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Well, uh, I was at the uh, the D.C. Uh, 2A rally back in uh, end of October mm-hmm. or first week in November. I can't remember. I think it was first week in November. Mm-hmm. Shannon Watts of Bombs Demand Action tweeted out that uh, 
that the 2A rally was a bunch of middle-aged, scared white men mm-hmm. and how it looked like a, a, a white nationalist rally. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the speakers who spoke at the 2A rally, over half, I think 60% of the people who spoke were either a person of color or a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because, you know, they have selective vision. Yeah, yeah well, I'm saying yeah. <laughs> as a bunch of middle-aged white men, no matter what. Yeah, for sure. But I think, and, and I think that that's how the media is gonna. I see that when I uh, when I went to like NRA shows, right? You go to NRA. There's always uh, the media is always out front of NRA, right? And they're trying to interview people. They never want to interview me. Never. You know, matter of fact, like they're acting like, oh, I can't see this guy. Wait a second. This guy's not passing me right now. <laughs> and Lola and I, we always joke about it because we're walking up there and we'll see like all these cameras and they're looking around for someone to talk to. And it, but they don't see us. <laughs> so you're not a you're not a bearded white guy. <laughs> Obviously, no, but they don't want they, they don't even want to waste their film <laughs> with oh, that shit, because right. that's not, that's not going to run. Right? Somehow they, they they don't see the big black guy with a mohawk. No, they miss that completely. <laughs> you know who has on like probably a gun t shirt or whatever. It always it always gets uh, missed out from those things. Um, I I just think that yeah, it's easy to do that. I feel like there's lots of people. Same thing at the NRA. You go to the NRA show. I see everyone there. I see people of different religions, uh, sexual orientations. Uh, you know, uh, ethnicities, all of that kind of stuff is well represented. People come in from all over the world to that show, to the SHOT Show for that matter, too. Well, you got to remember, the media is going to frame it the way they want to frame it. Uh, there is a viral video going around where there's a reporter with a mask on talking about how people are at the beach without masks and how bad it is. Mm-hmm. And such, and whether you wear a mask or not, I mean that's up to you. And I'm not making a statement on whether you should or shouldn't. But uh, some guy walks up and he starts filming them, and he's like, "I'm filming you because none of your crew is wearing masks, and you're trying to say that everyone here is being dangerous for not wearing masks, mm. but you guys are." And they automatically cut away from that media report. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hypocrisy. Um, I, I think, like, j- just to even get back to our main conversation here, I think that it's, th- from what's happening on social media, like I think Chuck said it earlier, if you're a business and you're not on social media, you don't exist. Well, if you're a human being and you're not on social media, in some aspects, you don't exist. I'm not trying to say to people you have to be on social media. I'll be honest with you. If I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't be anywhere I would spend my time doing other things. But ultimately, in today's world, this is how we communicate with each other. You know, we have to go there. So, When, when OPM is doing background checks for government clearances now, if they cannot find the person's social media footprint, that is a red flag to them. Hmm. I mean, you're not going to pass the background check, but it does raise a red flag to them that you have no social media. In fact, when I was uh, working on a contract for a, uh, a three-letter agency, they told us, if you don't have social media, get one because uh, they don't want people 
I don't I don't know what the exact reasoning was. I can't remember what they exactly phrased it at, but mm-hmm. they want they don't want you to they want you they don't want you to stand out and by not having the social media mm-hmm. you stand you, uh, you stand I yeah. can't remember exactly yeah. because in a sea in a sea of white the dark spot stands out. Yeah. So yeah. Like, <laughs> don't don't post anything personal or mm-hmm. anything be exploited but mm-hmm. have a generic social media account. yeah but it's it's affecting i think it's affecting all of us and it, it just like how are people going to stand out if they're going to have problems if they if they say hey i'm a gun person you know if we've got kids like okay they're in college or they're in high school We've seen these stories of a kid in high school go shooting with his dad. You know, that somehow gets out on social media. People get worried because he went shooting. That's some kind of signal of something. Now that kid's in trouble because of an innocent post. Now, obviously, if you're out there threatening people, you don't need to. You know, that's we don't even need to talk about that. If you're threatening people, that's terrible, right? Uh, Yeah, I read a story on that. I talked to the kid's mom, the kid that was expelled Mm -hmm. because he posted a picture of him and his family at a shooting range. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, you're a danger. You're going to shoot up the school. I remember that. Yeah. How about a year, right? Yeah, that's that's the cultural change that we're kind of after here. You know, like I said, with OSD uh, specifically, yeah. it's like, yeah, we got to we got to get ahead of that culture war uh, that's going on there and fix this perception. Because, uh, man, you know, I've been in this gun space for since the I think I had my first gun debate in like in college in 1986 right mm. and that was when the, I think that was the uh, one of the first uh, talks of you know when the Brady stuff was going down and then again in 89 and um, in the 90s after uh, yeah did we Stockton. get the, did we get the machine gun ban in 86 yeah we got the uh, yeah. was it the Hughes Act right mm-hmm. in 86 and through the uh, Gun Owners Protection Act yeah um so and but I've never seen it like it is now with this completely one-sided pre-biased propaganda that comes out about guns on every possible way and this and how we've just fallen for accepting the language they use right this idea of quote unquote gun violence and this mm-hmm. quote unquote assault weapons and <clears throat> you know high capacity magazines when it should be regular capacity magazines mm-hmm. um, even the language we use has been perverted by you know this one-sided media that defines how the problems are even talked about Mm -hmm. and we let that happen it's like no it it, you know we we can't uh make good progress if this this constant one-sided bias is all that that people get so the again the good news with social media at least as it stands now we still have a platform where we can get on and and present the other side be in a good light show us culturally with our, you know, our guns and, and good environments, like the kid at the range or, or a movie star, you know, taking training or showing off his collection or, or what have you. Um, so we still have to leverage social media for that. And if you go tell Zuck that like, I'm afraid to post about me at the range or my favorite gun because your platform is going to penalize me. Mm-hmm. He's going to care about that. I mean, if I, again, my opinion, but I think he's going to say like, yo, that's not what I built this platform to do. I don't want the platform to do that. I want. How can we all expression. tell him that? How can we tell him that? Well, you can certainly message him or email him. Uh, oh, okay. Is he paying um, any attention to that stuff? I mean, I wouldn't want to be Zuck in a million years. I mean, mm-hmm. you have no idea the 
we are the problem is, and this is generally for the social media problem, the social media companies in general. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings here, but we are so far down the list of things to care about, mm-hmm. right? It's like it's a U.S. only thing. It's you know a few millions of people who who. That's because only America is free, man. The rest of the world are slaves to the governments. I hear you. Yeah. Um, but just problem-wise, on the on the grand list of things that the social media platforms are going to get nailed for, mm-hmm. like the gun stuff, is just too far down the list. And I'm sure mm-hmm. Zuck, you know, Zuck is not particularly anti-gun. And again, in my opinion, but in my experience, yeah. I've but, heard um, rumors that he's got a lot of guns. I don't know if you could speak on that. I mean, he did that thing for a year where he hunted his own meat. He only ate meat that he harvested himself. Mm. Um, so he certainly is called um, game. And he certainly shot guns, and I know he, he okay. shoots guns. Since so, he yeah. became a droid, did he stop eating meat? Or is that okay? That's <laughs> one, one thing that uh, would shock a lot of people mm-hmm. is there is a lot of pro gun people that work at social media companies like mm-hmm. Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, not it's not just you two, right? Well, it's the same problem. It's like mm-hmm. very few. Uh, same problem as the CEOs. Very few want to step forward. Mm-hmm. I did not give a crap. So I stepped forward. If it's going to hurt my career, so be it. It didn't. But a lot of people that I knew at my level, like director level and above, were agreeing with me and supported me, but they would never, they would never take that as their, as their, as their, you know, sort of die on. Um, And never came out with it. Never were really forward about it or would stand up for it. Yeah. So I, that's. I mean, you were already ingrained in there too, so it's maybe a little di- like it's maybe it's a little bit too late to kill your career or something, because you're already you're already there. What were you saying, John? All all, all anyone would have to do is Google me. Plus, I didn't really want to hide, but I I would get messages from people at Facebook saying, "Hey, I read your article," and we're like, "Oh, okay," and they're like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I liked it. I I, I read Amaland. Land." I'm mm-hmm. like, "You mm-hmm. read Am?" And it's like, okay. And you've heard like Silicon Valley people. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. I don't see any pro gun stuff. They're like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to hide. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to come out. Uh, I know one, uh, one of my friends who's trans, uh, and she uh, made the comment one time that uh, it was hard, it was harder for her to come out as a trans than to come out as pro gun. Mm-hmm. Pretty harder for her to come out of the program than to come out of trans. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I believe that. Listen, I could tell you something. One time, so I go to the broadcasting show in Vegas. <clears throat> I don't know if Vegas will ever exist ever again, but uh, I so I go to the NAB show there. And um, the last time I was there, I was talking to a company that makes some orange hard drives that we all know about. If you use hard drives, you ever use you you know. Do you guys are you guys familiar? Hold on one second. I'll show you what I'm talking about. Do you know what he's talking about? I mean, we should we should know have this you stuff. Ever, have you guys ever seen what what happened? Nothing. We're just we're talking about how neither one of us has any idea what you're talking okay, about. Okay. Have you ever seen orange hard drives? I'm trying not to show the. You don't know. You never heard of these hard drives? Nah. Okay. Basically, it's Lacey. Now I got to tell you guys. You never heard of Lacey? Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Let's see. I don't know. So anyway, I was talking to this company at um, 
at the broadcasting show, and there was this lady there I was talking to, and she was like, you know, you what, what do you do for a living, right? Other than, like, you know, obviously I was there, I was doing a video with one of their products and stuff like that, and she was like, you know, we would love to have someone like you come in here and speak to our audience and tell them about how you make videos and stuff. So I was like, okay. I gave her my card, and she, she actually, like, Googled me, and then she saw I was doing gun stuff. And she said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I'm a, I'm a gun person, right? I, I'm, I'm into guns, all of that. But this company, they're not down with that. You know, so there's, uh, you know, it, 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 I feel bad about it, but that's like, it's just a non-starter for these guys. That there's no way of doing this thing being what you do. If they realize what you do, there's no way of doing this. It's just the culture that's over here. And that's something that, that we're dealing with all the time because to me, that's like a door. Here was a door opened and then slammed in my face, you know, at the same time because of guns. Well, I was supposed to talk at a middle school uh, career day about network engineering. And then the principal of the school Googled me. Mm-hmm. I got uninvited. Yeah. and that's the parallel to if you go back into if you go back into time there was a time in america where there were people who couldn't eat at this restaurant they couldn't use this bathroom they had to go through this door not that door and all that kind of stuff and then when you're having that situation happen because you know because you you're in you believe in something that's written into the constitution we're we're talking this is crazy talk now you know I think it's more akin to like the Red Scare. Mm-hmm. You get blacklisted for uh, beliefs mm-hmm. you can't work or perceived beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the scary part about it is like all the, a lot of these people are probably all. Let's say all of them. I think we can safely say this. They're worried about the safety aspect of guns, right? So it's like if we were worried about our kids drowning in swimming pools. Right, you, uh, you're in California. I'm sure there's lots of swimming pools. I'm in Florida, lots of swimming pools, and we're worried about our kids drowning in swimming pools. And we go, you know what's the solution? Let's get rid of all the swimming pools. <laughs> Let's just fill them in with concrete. No more swimming pools. We don't have to worry about kids drowning, except that there's rivers and lakes and oceans and stuff. You know that they're still going to get to the water. It, but what do we actually? What do we do in real life? You know, as a parent, I was worried about, like, oh, I'm living in Florida, there's all these pools. Taught my kids how to swim. <laughs> you know, spent money getting my t- my kids learning how to swim and all that kind of stuff. Because there's going to come a time when they're not around me, even as a grown-up, that they're, they're going to have to swim. So that becomes really important. And so when we're talking about guns and safety, the idea of burying our heads in the sand or filling in the, all the swimming pools is insane. To teach your kids about about guns and the safety of guns, and this is the thing that will actually help people. You're never going to mitigate. I mean, you're never going to get rid of all the danger, but you can mitigate it. And for me, I would rather have a dangerous freedom than uh, safe slavery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I, don't, I just don't – you know, how do you get these guys to see this? Like what do you think, Chuck? What's the solution here of this? You know, we talk about it here all the time, and we've got you on. What do you think 
is the the pathway to actually making this stuff happen? So for me, it's uh, it's just grassroots. So try to have that local action, right? Um, I'm not going to change national politics, most likely. Uh, I'd like to, but not guaranteed. So yeah, I'm going to do what I can in my community uh, to normalize this stuff, to do the education myself. So again, I with an organization called CivilShield.org, mm-hmm. and this is a group in, group in Silicon Valley who said it's founded by a different guy, and he mm-hmm. came to me, and being he knows I do a lot of instruction, and um, I've done it, I've taken literally thousands of people to the range. Um, and he said, can you be our lead instructor for this uh, beginner's class? And I said, sure, for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, it winds up costing me money because I'm, I'm supplying ammunition, guns, the whole nine yards. They pay a nominal fee for getting on the range and some, you know, it's covered some basic expense. But I get out there and one Saturday a month, I'm there teaching brand new people all the rules, get them on the range, getting them safe, getting them. And I've not had one bad experience. Not one person has walked away saying, oh, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I think we can all do that. We can be like the NSSF, uh, you know, the National Shooting Sports Foundation has a great plus one program, right? Mm-hmm. Take plus one, take someone to the range, take someone hunting. Uh, this is what we can do. You're gonna, you can bitch and moan all you want on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube about all the crap you want to do. but Take that effort. Don't don't waste your effort there, man. Go go take that effort. Find somebody who could use your instruction. Be a reasonable person. Just do basic stuff. Just get them safe. If you're any good with firearms at all, if you have an ability to communicate and can can uh, teach uh, well at any degree, that's the action you can take. You'll feel better about it. You're planting those seeds all over the place, and people will come to you. Like people come to me. I've been successful with open source defense because people know me as a very reasonable person, a very reasonable gun owner, and someone they can trust and talk to. And I don't come at them with ideology and you know cold dead hand and you mm. know uh, sh- shall not be infringed and all that. Even though I fully believe that good old stuff, I'm not leading with that. And that's not you know I'm not coming with that sledgehammer to say like you know this is the way we're all going to yeah. think or else. Yeah, right? you got to be a little bit of reverse brainwashing. You got to start slow. <laughs> you got to be, you have to have the ability to, to have empathy and to, to listen and mm-hmm. to understand where the person's coming from and mm-hmm. just abandon your own preconceptions and your own self-centeredness mm-hmm. and just go and say like, okay, what do you need? Why are you here? What got you here? What are you thinking about this? Mm-hmm. What's going to make you comfortable? And how can I you know, get you off safely, off on your way? <laughs> And the thing, why is John cracking up here? <laughs> bad turn of bad turn of words on my part. <laughs> phrasing, phrasing, phrasing. So, um, yeah, so that's been successful. And, uh, <laughs> right. That's uh, that's what I hope we put our effort on. Um, yeah, I agree with you. You know, uh, you got to start. Like I, I notice um, a lot of times I come across people. I remember Lola's brother, he, he's in Maryland, and uh, he came out here to see us, and he didn't even want to touch any of my guns. You know, he's like, oh, these look really cool, but he wouldn't even touch them. I was like, well, listen, I could show you how to make these safe so you know for yourself how to, you know, go through this process. And, and he didn't even really want to do it. But it's, you know, just talking to people about these kinds of things and when they have questions answering them changes everything and within a few months he went and took a ccw class and all that kind of stuff you know now he's in a completely different zone with that he's going out with his friends up there going shooting etc so what are you going to say john it's not even about like getting the people to become like gun people Mm -hmm. it's about 
getting them to embrace the the freedom that is tied to guns. I have a friend named Ed, and Ed uh, doesn't shoot guns. He doesn't own a gun. He won't touch a gun. He won't go to the range. But through talking to him and explaining, you know, why I value firearms and why I love the Second Amendment and all that other good stuff, he's became one of the biggest uh, gun rights people that I know. But the thing is, he's still not a gun guy. He still doesn't shoot. Still doesn't own a gun. Mm-hmm. He's on lobby day with us, unarmed because he doesn't carry a gun because he doesn't want to carry a gun, which is his right. Mm-hmm. He was standing up for. Um, rights because I put it to he's a big First Amendment guy so I put it to him and the First Amendment terms Mm -hmm. that helped him understand where I was coming from and now he's you know one of our biggest supporters Mm -hmm. Uh, I sent him down to Richmond one day because I couldn't get down there and I needed to have hand out the I do a lot of lobbying Mm-hmm. So I added out all these pamphlets to the state representatives, and I couldn't get down there. So I sent him the files, he printed them out, and he hand-delivered them about gun rights and why gun rights are important. And to this day, still will not shoot a gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you try to force someone into doing that, you're not going to make anything better. That person either will never come to it, or they'll come to it in their own time. Well, you know, if he doesn't want to shoot a gun, that's his right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I but I was able to successfully explain to him mm-hmm. why I value the Second Amendment. Now he values it, even though he doesn't exercise it. Yeah, I think the the objective here is, um, you know, at least on the political side, is we're not we're not going to get anyone to like the people I'm talking to and a lot of people that open source defense deals with. They're not voting for Trump or not voting for people who are going to support gun rights anytime soon. Mm-hmm. They just can't. There's too much baggage. There's too many other issues that they care more about. That's not mm-hmm. going to even though, even though they might be pro-gun. So what, all we're trying to, we sh- what we should be doing is taking those baby steps to get, like, if you remember the Democratic platform of the 80s and 90s, there was support for Second Amendment rights back then, right? And somehow the plank, you know, since probably, again, 2016, the plank turned into, like, just this rabid anti-gun madness that, like, we got to take the guns. We're coming for your guns. And it just, like, the whole, the mask came off and they went full board. Mm-hmm. If we can get enough people who lean that way to say, like, you can't have this in the platform anymore, okay? You got to get this stuff out of the platform. You can't put it forward as you're, what you're leading with for this party, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be, you just gets pushed further and further down as something that they're just not going to touch or that they're actively going to try to undo or support firearms rights in some way. Mm-hmm. Those are the steps we can take to at least give us all some relief, no matter who's in power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's much more reasonable. That's much more accessible. That's much more, uh, got a factor of success than if we say like, okay, let's repeal the NFA, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we should do, but you know, oh, that's, yeah. you know, that's every gun, every gun group's goal would be to repeal the NFA, but that's oh, not, sure. <laughs> we're, we're not gonna get that tomorrow, right? We gotta start with like, let's get the plank moved back to giving us rights in yeah. the firearm space. You can, uh, no one's hopeless. If you look at Dan Gross, for example, who ran the Brady campaign for 20 years, and now he's actually, speaking at second amendment rallies mm-hmm. yeah yeah um so let me let, I, I 
I don't know if there's questions or things like that out there people like to get to. I think this is a good point to pivot a little bit, get into some of the fun gun stuff, find out from you guys, because I'm sure these guys out there would like to know. Chuck's in California. Chuck, uh, our apologies that you you know you live in a communist state. And it's, it's, yeah, well, I've never know. lived in a free state, man. I went yeah. from New York to California, <laughs> so I've not lived... Yeah. I've not tasted the sweet, you know, sweet nectar of freedom. Yeah. So, but what what kind of guns do you have, man? Obviously, you know, what, so what's the cool ju- stuff? You can't. We can't show anything here because of really? YouTube. Yeah, you got to talk to someone. Are you at YouTube. sure of that policy? You're 100 percent sure of that policy. Oh, we, I disconnect you. Yeah, they've pulled us off. They've pulled me off air. Yeah, As a uh, matter of fact, YouTube actually spoke to me about this and told me they were going to have people watching me, and it's happened. So, uh, yeah, it's a thing. I will, uh, I will follow up on that myself just to yeah. get my own understanding. Yeah, I mean, and it's funny. That, because, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the, the reason why is because um, at least when, in my days at Facebook, uh, mm-hmm. there were a number, unfortunately, very unfortunately, the number of suicides um, mm-hmm. live streamed. Mm-hmm. So when the gun came out, uh, there was a non-zero probability that uh, something bad was going to happen. Now, that probability was way, way under 1%. But again, this is because of the pressure of of media and politicians. Even though there's a 0.01 percent chance when that firearm hits the live stream that something bad's going to happen, um, they are pressured to like they can't even let that one thing slip. If it's yeah. one in a thousand, they can't let it slip. That's why we're in this point now where they say just say F it. If you show a gun, it's our algorithms will detect it and just nuke the live stream. Yeah. So well, that's why we're where we're at. Yeah. Well, uh, YouTube uh, did change their policy to pull you off the air if you show a gun right after the Christchurch uh, shooting. Yeah. Yeah, their explanation to me was that, you know, hey, we don't want anything bad to happen. Um, and and to, to which I said to them, well, okay, I understand what you guys are trying to do. You really can't prevent it. There's lots of things that happen live that are dangerous. So right. people drive live, no, you know, it's just bad things can happen. You can have an accident while you're alive. You could fall backwards and something bad happens to you. You know, are you going to like people can't sit on the on on the railings if they're live? You know, you could be driving and something bad could happen. So now you can't drive while you're alive. Which yeah. is a lot higher chance of something bad happening while you're trying to live stream. Sure. Yeah. But this is you got to understand, this is just a cover your ass move for yeah. a specific thing. And they can check it off and check that box and say, OK, we're done. We, we took care of it, quote unquote, and then got on to the next problem because they have a huge queue of problems they got to get through. So they're not going to spend a lot of time. Yeah. So it just oh, seems okay. like a simple solution that they went for, which. Yeah, what, they did. Yeah. What you got to find out, Chuck, uh, the, on the YouTube thing is it was political pressure, not from within the United States, from from other countries. Yeah. Uh, right after the Christchurch thing. Yeah, and you yeah. have to consider these are worldwide platforms. It's not just the U.S. government coming down on them. There's worldwide governments who want to do even more, you know, governments that have no conception of free speech or free mm-hmm. or rights of any degree are asking them to do things that are just outrageous, right? So yeah. give give the companies a little bit of credit for at least resisting the, the worst of that. I but, wish they uh, would do, give us a little bit of credit too, uh, you know, not to just keep going on with this point. I wish they would give some credit to people based, like they were talking to me solely because they know I use YouTube to, to talk about guns live probably more than anyone else, right? Mm-hmm. So they were, that's why they were talking to me. I'm not even a big channel. They did speak to other really big channels as well. Um, and But my question to them was, well, why not, you know, if, I'm, if I've been doing this with you for years, 
why not give me some kind of like certification or some kind of credit for the fact that I'm a gun guy and, you know, I do things safely and all that. Why not give me something yeah, like that and to, other people some level of that? Because they have to build it. Um, and that's yeah. more engineering work. And it's for like, a again, a small, small, small percentage of, of yeah. people that takes engineering money and engineering time. So it's, yeah. you're not on the road. You're not on the roadmap, as we say. Yeah. And it is. Whitelist certain channels. Huh? Can they just whitelist certain channels, Chuck? Well, you have to whitelist it for what, right? I mean, you're whitelisted for guns, but if you show a needle or start doing drugs or, you know, there's a million kind of like, ways it can go. They're using machine learning uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, and again, I, I, my experience with Facebook was uh, it's the beginning of that. It's still not very good. I mean, it's got the problem of garbage in, garbage out. So if you're yeah. doing the algorithms with bad training data, which I saw, which was crappy training data, you get crappy results. That um, so yeah. it'll improve for sure. They can have the ability to do this in the future. Will they go back and revisit this? If we give enough pressure, hopefully. Um, but again, it might be so down in the noise that they just mm -hmm. not, don't care. Yeah. What, what I'm saying is like, say, uh, tell the algorithm not to scan this channel. Uh, they're unlikely, yeah, it's a trust but verify kind of approach. And they've been slow to adopt a trust but verify approach for most mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. um, just as a basic idea of their systems. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. There are certainly solutions. I mean, come on, we we could sit and talk about solutions ten yeah. for, for for ten days, and uh, it's just a matter of getting it to be a priority as far as spending and planning and and bang for the buck. Yeah, I think um, honestly, I just feel like a lot of platforms are trying to get rid of people. You know, uh, they're trying to like uh, call the herd or something like that. It's interesting because that's the number one thing that they tried to grow, and it's interesting that they don't care anymore. Because the numbers are so big that they, they mm -hmm. basically they've won. I mean, Facebook has won, Instagram has won, YouTube has won. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> There's no point in them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they're that. shadow banning on YouTube. I could tell you that. I know that's oh, happening. Yeah. That's yeah. that's definitely happening to to like my chant. My this is not my main channel. My main channel <clears throat> is ninety seven thousand subscribers, and I'll put up a video, and it'll get like four or five hundred views sometimes. And then some videos will go past that, but it's like, what's happening here? There's more people than that that like ring the bell. Yeah, know, the, uh, the they just uh, shadow ban you. <laughs> no, the bad one yeah. is Instagram. Um, Instagram about eight months ago, on the Explore tab, mm -hmm. purged anything with a firearm in it. Mm -hmm. So all you cannot find firearm content on Instagram if you don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great firearm content on Instagram. It's a lot of crap, mm -hmm. but there's also a lot of decent stuff on Instagram for gun stuff. But you really got to know, you got to pick up a thread and follow it and follow the ads and to get it. Mm -hmm. Because if you go to the Explore tab or try to find it, nothing. And that was an explicit decision that came down a while ago and it was uh, it should have been pushed back. I wish I was still there to push back on that because it was very effective. Um, yeah. Killing everyone's numbers. I've seen, yeah, I've seen a lot of the big guys. I mean, I, my numbers aren't that big on there, but I've seen the guys that have really big numbers tell me, you know, hundreds of thousands of, of followers and they're like, yeah, man, I'll put up something. It'll be lucky if it gets a thousand likes. And yeah. that's probably like three, four hundred thousand people following that person. So, um, yeah, it sucks. OK, guns. We'll get, Sorry, guns get back to your question. Yeah. So yes. I just moved here to Southern California in Orange County area. Right. And I didn't I'm, I'm going back and forth for this new job. So I'm like one week up north, one week down south. And I didn't have any guns down here. So. I didn't want to, I was traveling. You can't show the them anyway, so it's cool. You can't show them, but, yeah, but I, I, 
I, uh, my solution here was just to buy new guns down here. Oh, right. <laughs> of course. Of course. So I that walked works. into a gun store. Uh, not a big 45 guy, but I, mm -hmm. I just picked up a, uh, an HK USP Elite, mm -hmm. uh, which maybe you're not familiar with, but it's this big honking target gun and 45 ACP. Mm -hmm. And that was the last thing I expected to buy, but I went in there. It was on consignment for like 700 bucks or something. Yeah, let me see. I'm going to pull that up. The USP Elite. That's a price. That's an incredible price. And uh, I said, let me see that. So I picked it up and and basically wound up uh, buying that, not intending to. But it turns out it's a fantastic gun. I like I like big, heavy handguns. Yeah, that that's works. a big, you heavy handgun. Yeah. You pick it up just because. Yeah. For that yeah. Really seen it that cheap anywhere how much was it what was the price you saw it for i, think it was, I want to say 7.99 7.99 okay i'm gonna try to pull it up now we can show pictures of guns oh okay yeah um and if you had a lot of stuff on your instagram i could probably show your Instagram. what's your instagram anyway uh my instagram's closed uh but oh. you can uh, my facebook is facebook.com oh. slash truck oh yeah that is a that's that's almost a carbine <laughs> yeah and what did you pick that up for again sorry eight hundred dollars okay all right what's the uh, magazine capacity on that thing i think factory is 12 but of Let's course i'm stats here 10 um, yeah 153 millimeters on the barrel length yeah it's a big old target oh gun. well you're in california yeah so you're you're um at 10 round max yeah yeah, yeah. What you call yeah. limited capacity magazines. Yeah. Let's see. Magazine capacity. 18 rounds for free people, Chuck. <laughs> no, that for the 45, I don't think it's... Wait, hold on, hold on. But maybe that wasn't the 40. Am I oh, I'm looking at the 9 millimeter one. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think it's 12. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see the... Oh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, yeah, 12 rounds. 12 rounds for the 45. So I don't feel that bad about it. I can, I can live with myself. 12 rounds is better than 10. Yeah, well, you saying. can't own that truck. <laughs> That's a good time. Right. Well, the good news is, uh, uh, yeah, as gun guys, this uh, is this, huh? We can't buy, sell, or trade magazines, but we can possess magazines. So I can't buy new, you know, I can't go out and buy magazines. But if you possess magazines, you're okay. Yeah. And we had Freedom Week, which was for one week. The magazine ban was thrown out. Yeah. How hey. crazy did you go in Freedom Week, Chuck? I bought about twelve hundred dollars worth of those. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> if you look up the lawsuit in that. Uh, look at Exhibit One, who uh, whose uh, research is Exhibit One's. Are you causing trouble there, John? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. I could you. That uh, man, that Freedom Week, man, that 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 was just insane. Wow. It was insane. Yeah. We were in the middle of that. We uh, open source defense. We sat and looked at like did some math. We estimate anywhere between 1.5 to 2 million magazines came in that week. Yeah, like every, yeah, every manufacturer of magazines was just sending Gone. everything to California. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. It was like the Berlin yeah. airlift, right? It yeah. was insane. Yeah. And so yeah, so I can possess regular capacity magazines, which I do. And uh, my second gun I bought when I was down here, I've become a, a huge fan of uh, PCCs, pistol caliber mm -hmm. carbines. Mm -hmm. um, so I bought a second uh, Sig MPX, uh, okay. the, new, the new Sig MPX uh, PCC, the competition version. Okay. And Sig makes a, a version with a, the fin grip. So you know, in California, if you hold a rifle with your thumb on this side, you're okay. If your thumb goes across the back, you're a felon. Mm -hmm. Right. So this is Crazy. an assault weapon. This is not an assault weapon. Wow. Just insane, right? This yeah. is the insanity. 
So SIG makes a version with a thin grip um, and with a compensator, not a flash hider. Again, if it's a flash hider, it's an assault weapon, quote unquote. If with a compensator, it's not. Beautiful gun. Um, big fan of the SIG MPX. Uh, got a second one of those. Uh, have not taken it out yet. Um, so that's uh, what's down here for my in the Southern California uh, arsenal. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool stuff. You know, so the uh, MPX. Uh, did you ever? change your trigger on that? I think that had some yeah. issues with the trigger, right? Triggers are beautiful. I, I went through two hyperfire eclipses. Uh, mm -hmm. They were good about replacing it. The mm -hmm. new one comes with a timony, but it's like a four pound timony. Right. I'm gonna throw another, uh, I'm gonna throw another eclipse uh, in there. Um, okay. And I'm also gonna do this. So to get around the uh, the fin grip, which keeps your thumb on the right, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a huge fan of the Thorsten uh, stocks. And Thorsten makes an MPX stock like this. Uh -huh. So what I can do, I can get my thumb across, but it's above the line of the trigger. Mm -hmm. So, so the, law, the law says if the web of your hand goes below the top of the trigger line, it's mm -hmm. an assault weapon, quote unquote. But mm -hmm. if, you're, if the web of your hand is above, so I'm basically reaching down, mm -hmm. uh, this is acceptable. And this yeah. is actually, I don't want to give credit, you know, I don't want to endorse any of this crap, but this is actually a really good way to <laughs> hold the gun and shoot. So I'm quite quick um, with the stock on that gun. Yeah. I, I got something to show you, Chuck. Oh, uh, torture me some more, John. No, oh, no, well, this is actually good. It's actually made for California. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Hit us with it. Tech <laughs> California special. Oh, yeah. X Tech, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And for, uh, I think it's like no extra cost, you can order a kit that can be shipped to anywhere else that California that you can just pop off the base plate and replace it for the 30-round mag. Yeah. And for some reason, they're all date marked from the week that, uh, uh, this must be a mistake, but you know the week, uh, they're all date marked from that week as uh, being manufactured during that week. I don't know. I'm right, sure they, I'm right, sure right. they all were. That's yeah, 100%, I believe. Yeah, that's a mistake. From that to this. Yep. What yeah. happened? To, didn't we have like a like a almost another Freedom Week in California, but then it didn't really it didn't even last twenty four hours. No, there was an ammo. Uh, so we have a new ammo restriction that you need a full background check mm -hmm. and uh, there's all this baloney to buy ammo, and the system's completely fallen over. Ammo ammo buying has been delayed. Mm -hmm. A lot of false positives. Fiasco. Um, false positives. A lot of false positives and just a huge. Positive and 127 uh, real positive. Right. 38,000 versus 127. Wow. Right. So, uh, you know, the same judge that gave us Freedom Week for magazines struck down um, this this new uh, this new law, and the expectation was we were going to get another week worth of uh, of freedom, mm -hmm. uh, or even longer. But in an amazing turn of events, uh, and John, you can correct me if I'm wrong on any details here. Uh, Basically, he issued it, and then it got obviously kicked. The state kicked it up to the Ninth Circuit, and they met like what was it, like a Friday night at ten o'clock. Yeah, I think they were prepared for this one. They were prepared for so. him. Yeah, yeah. They, had, they, yeah. they st you know, they stayed it. So it it did not take it. It was it was open for a day, I think about a day, and it was enough that some companies like I like Target, uh, Target Sports USA. God bless them. I made an order for some self defense HSTs, and uh, look what I got. Okay, right. So, so, so was that okay? Amazon Depot started shipping that night. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. So once you made your order, 
you were still good, right? As long as it got shipped. Oh, it depends had to be shipped. The, depends on the company, but yeah, wow. there was all sorts. It's very unclear, right? It's very dynamic, and oh. God only knows. But yeah. um, if you could get it in there and they shipped it, then so yeah, I got a little bit of ammo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is uh, that's really insanity. Uh, what's happening there? Okay, what are you trying to show off here, Crump? My Boogaloo magazine. Oh right, <laughs> nice. Right. Huh? My Boogaloo rifle, the one that's all flowered print. Oh, okay, okay, very nice, very nice. Um, let's see here. Someone was asking about. Uh, someone asked a question like, why the ATF uh, is doing that kind of stuff? Obviously, it's not the ATF; it's California. Um, that's what's going on there. You know, it's pretty. It's pretty terrible. Um, have you, have either one of you guys been following the Title One that Franklin Armory? I know they sponsor the podcast here, so you know, hey, you could, you could definitely uh, call me on that one. But I was talking to Jay Jacobson of Franklin Armory, and he was talking about the Title One rifle that they have out for California, and uh, basically, you know, th this gun falls within where it's not a, it, you know, it's not a pistol, it's not this, it's not that. All you have to do is one background check and you could get it. And they're trying to get that in California. And the ATF in California is telling the state to make new laws to close them out. Have you guys been following that? I have. I mean, John might know the details better than me. But, yeah, they're basically closing that exemption. Um, yeah. And I think there is some sort of grandfather thing where you can because those Title One sold pretty well in California. Yeah. Um, so there's some there might be some grandfathering, but it kicks in very fast. If this thing passes, it's not like it kicks in at the end of the year. It kicks in like in July 1st or something. Yeah. They're trying to retro it to July because obviously they're not getting that in until after July. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the ATF has been doing a lot of sketchy stuff like telling state. Uh, there is, for example, there is a ATF regulation in law that says if your if your state concealed handgun permit meets uh, or exceeds the ATF's requirements to transfer a firearm, basically, if you had to do a background check, mm -hmm. and you can use that in lieu of going through a background check every time you buy a gun through NICS. Uh, the ATF is telling states to ignore that regulation and make everyone go through NICS anyway, even though that's not what the law says. Hmm. Yeah. Through a random. I wrote an article about that. Uh, I had some like leaked documents that I uh, threw out there from the ATF. Yeah. Yeah. So you, let's let's uh, switch over here to some of uh, some of your stuff. By the way, if you guys are interested in um, in that whole Title One thing, I did do an interview with Jay Jacobson for Ammoland that you can either find out on Ammoland or you can uh, you can go to YouTube and it'll be on my channel. There's two stories I see that John did here. Real quick, I'll, I'll roll this in. One is Lieutenant Colonel Alan West. He was in a motorcycle accident. Uh, thankfully, he survived it. John, do you want to tell us what's going on with that? Yeah, he's out of the hospital. What happened was he was... He moved to Texas from Florida back in 2013, mm -hmm. which is kind of disingenuous on a lot of newspapers saying Florida, Florida's Alan West motorcycle accident. Yeah. And well, I, because he was in West Palm Beach, which is a very communist part of Florida. He won and they redistricted. Yeah, yeah exactly. They did some really underhanded stuff to him. So 
I don't yeah. blame him for going to Texas. Yeah, but uh, yeah. he's running for the Texas uh, Republican Party chairman. Mm-hmm. So people are saying a lot of the newspapers are trying to say, oh, he just moved there so, so he can run for this. But he moved there in 2013. Mm-hmm. But he was in a motorcycle accident. Uh, they had the a Texas Freedom Rally, which is basically a celebration of Texas reopening for business mm-hmm. from the pandemic thing. Mm-hmm. He was coming back from the capital of Texas, uh, and he was in West Texas, right outside Waco. Mm-hmm. Almost West, and the name is West, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. And a car cut him off, so he had to slow down abruptly, and he was clipped by the bike that was behind him, and mm-hmm. both both people were thrown from it. They were both flown to a, a trauma center in Waco, where uh, they kept them from they kept them from monitoring. But he had some broken bones, uh, mm-hmm. shoulder, uh, a lot of cuts and abrasions. Yeah, it looks like his face. I saw I saw some uh, pictures of him online. It looks like he got some bruising and stuff like that on the face. Yeah, he had a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, they flew him because of mechanism injury. He was uh, non-life life-threatening, but if you're hurt, like due to a, a motorcycle crash or if you roll your car, they fly you a lot of times for, for what's called mechanism injury because mm-hmm. you can have underlying like brain hemorrhage and not know about it. Luckily, that wasn't the case with him, but uh, he's out now. He's recovering at home. He never lost consciousness. In fact, when the paramedics pulled up, the first thing he said to him was, if I die, please don't mark my death as COVID-19. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so he still had a sense of humor. Even, yeah. though, even when he was laying there on the streets. So that's how tough he is. Yeah. This is why I believe, like they say, you know, a lot of anti-gun people say, do you want a tank? This is why we should all be driving around in tanks. Would be a lot safer on the streets. I mean, we might have to make the streets a little bit tougher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. People don't uh, realize tanks are illegal to buy. Huh? They. They. Yeah. They're legal. People are like, yeah. Would you buy a tank if it was legal? Yes. Like, are illegal. Yeah. I would also, but and but most of them are. What is it called? Demilled? Is that what the? Demilled. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, they can't. There are some of them that have live guns and stuff like that but the two hundred dollar tax stamp if it's me yeah yeah I've, i know some military vehicle guys that do that kind of thing listen i will buy an attack helicopter i want a little bird man a what attack. little bird those little teeny tiny helicopters that special forces use oh okay i gotta look that up i'm not sure what that is yeah what's the most outrageous thing that you would like to buy chuck you know money not it being an object uh, Gun-wise, like, or, or, you know, in this realm of what we're talking about here. I've become really boring since, I, since I've gotten some money. Oh. <laughs> you realize you can buy some things. Mm-hmm. It turns out that it's, you don't want to complicate your life right, <laughs> with more right. things. It's a kind of a... So you're saying you don't want a life. nuclear submarine. Is that what you're trying to tell me? <laughs> I mean, I would, but who's going to clean it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Robots, <laughs> Roombas. You should get a Stinger. Huh? Yeah, I should get a World yeah. War II. No, World War Two Stinger, not the uh, the Franken gun, not the missile. Oh, what is it? It's like a. 
It's a combination of a M1, a M1 Grand, a, a Browning M2, and a couple other guns mixed in there. It's a hmm. shoulder fire 50 cal machine gun. Gotcha. Hmm. So yeah, maybe I'm too practical because like, I can't take that to the range. <laughs> um, what I would actually do if I thought about it right now, I do have a solution, an uh, answer for you. I would like uh, a couple of Infinities. Uh, so uh, a couple of Infinity handguns. Uh, so maybe like an open uh, 38 Super Comp or nine major uh, gun, or maybe in a limited gun in nine and a limited gun in 40. So 40 for USPSA limited division, mm -hmm. uh, and a, a SCI Infinity for um, a three gun in nine millimeter, mm -hmm. and then an open gun to play uh, an open division. Uh, so okay, you're a competitive shooter. Yeah, a lot of USPSA and three okay. gun. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Interesting. So yeah, I would, I would fill my closet with all the high-end stuff. Like there's the, uh, you know, the crazy open-class shotguns, um, mm -hmm. you know, crazy ARs. I got a lot, I got a couple of JPs, but would, you know, maybe spec out some more. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. Get, your, get yourself a nice half a million dollar shotgun. You know. Yeah. Bespoke, oh, that's true. Yeah. Bespoke wood. You know. That's a great idea. That's yeah. another. Like I, w I took a tour of the Beretta factory when I was. Uh, uh, I'm actually an Italian citizen through through marriage. Um, okay. And I've helped out the Beretta guys with their social media. So I had oh, an cool. amazing tour of the uh, of the Beretta factory that was there since like 15 whatever 1560 mm -hmm. on the same stinking piece of land. And yeah, so dropping 30, 40, 50k on a shotgun, you know, maybe that's what you should do, right? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Chuck, to an Italian national. What's that? You're married to an Italian national? We're both uh, dual citizens. Yeah, man. He's Italian. Do you know Instructor Zero? I'm sorry. I know John's asking a question. No, you... no I'm, I'm just saying that that's something that we share in common. Oh. oh. Really? Yeah. Your wife's from Italy? Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. You guys need to take me to Italy. So do you guys know Instructor Zero? Do you know Instructor? I've seen him at SHOT Show a few times, but i, yeah. I got to tell you, I was a little intimidated to go up to him because, oh. <laughs> you know. Okay. If we... All, all, if we have, if we ever have another shot show, I'll introduce you to Instructor Zero. Very nice guy. He always tells me if you come to Italy, I take care of everything. Yeah. So he's really, he's really, he's cool. He's a cool That's dude. Good. Most you know. Italians are pretty cool dudes. So. Yeah. I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Paying huh? to Italy? Huh? You, you're paying tickets all to Italy? Uh, listen, you guys are the big tech guys. <laughs> yeah, you guys are the big tech guys. We'll have to take like a slow boat to Italy <laughs> if we're waiting for me to pay for it. So, but I, I, my one of my one of my things is to go to Italy. I want to see the Ferrari Museum, the Lamborghini Museum, and check out all the guns over there. And Instructor Zero is the dude, man. Yeah, he's there's a very strong gun culture in Italy. People don't really know this. Yeah. But, I mean, first of all, there's tons of manufacturers in Italy. You got Umberti, mm -hmm. Tanfolio, Beretta, mm -hmm. um, Brescia, um, Pinelli. Um, and a bunch of other smaller ones. Um, uh, is there what's Rossi? I know I, I meant Rossi's, to tease. I meant to tease you about that because your name is Rossi. You got, Rossi's Brazilian. Brazilian. Oh, um, okay. So from America, you know, a lot of Italians wound up in South America. I'll let okay. you do the math on how that happened. Yeah. Um, but some of the Italians who wound up in South America did Taurus and uh, Rossi oh, and okay. stuff. So. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Let me get to this real quick here. Elster's rifles and reloading gave us five bucks. He says, uh, keep on doing what you're doing, Chuck. Awesome guest. It was great yeah. to help him out. I'm sorry he suffered for so long. Um, yeah. He really had a bum deal for quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. It was terrible. I was so jealous when Mr. Guns and Gear got his thing back. 
And I was like, what What happened to me? You know? It's funny because uh, we, I guess Facebook was notified about you before him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but no, when that initially happened to me, uh, his his main page, that didn't happen to. If you remember, they hit Mrs. Guns and Gear, and then they hit me, I think, within the same sp- space of time. And then they got Mrs. Guns and Gear back, and I was still, you know... But if it was me, I would put Mrs. Guns and Gear back on. I guess. <laughs> that was very chivalry is not dead. <laughs> yeah. All right, good man, good man. Yeah. So uh, let's see here. Okay, we were talking about Italy. We're we're hitting we're hitting up against the the uh, nine o'clock hour here. I don't know. Do, do you? What kind of stories coming out soon, John? Uh, the ATF the leak the new leak doc that we didn't get to. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's a teaser. When is the ATF thing coming out so we can all I got get our writing. rage on? Oh, I was going to write it today, but okay. uh, kind of homeschooling my kids. Oh, so okay. I, they were being a little bit difficult today. Matthew was being a little bit difficult. So oh. I had a chance to finish it. So I got to finish it tonight. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. After this, I'm going to go upstairs yeah, and knock. It's, oh, see, by the way. What's up? You have. You're going to be on a show on Friday, right? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, I think I'm going to be on your show, right? <laughs> John Trump, too, on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to be on your show. Okay, listen, let's do this as we're wrapping up here. Chuck, you've been an awesome guest, man. I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I, I like it. This was fun. I still have questions to ask you, but. No, it's great to talk to you guys. I'm glad yeah. you're out here doing this, Hank. Uh, you got your, you're keeping the gun culture alive, giving a positive spin letting us you know be reasonable people um i appreciate what you do yeah how can the folks out there um how can they follow you help you out and whatever it is you're getting up to i mean i i would really ask people to do this because you're one of the guys that behind the scenes kind of like a unsung hero helping guys like myself guns and gear lots of other people elfsters you know how can we all help you out in turn Sure. So number one thing, if your if your listeners could go subscribe to our newsletter, opensourcedefense.org, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever their social platform of choice is, uh, help us get those numbers up, ingest our content, share our content. Uh, so yeah, help out opensourcedefense.org and you'll be doing me a huge favor. If you know anybody who needs basic instruction or is, you know, you're, you would like just to hand them off to somebody who's quite competent with good with new people of different backgrounds have them schedule office hours with us i'd love to talk to uh anyone you send forward and if you're having any social media trouble on instagram or facebook uh give me a yell chuck at opensourcedefense.org uh no guarantees but you know if your stuff's taken down i can tell you why possibly um and if it's looks like a false positive we can try to get some escalation on it and again no guarantees but you got to use all the avenues you have available to you. If this happens to you, use their official uh, avenues, do all the escalations that they do, reach out privately to people, do whatever you can to get your voice back on the platform. Yeah. So open source defense, um, is that is that on any social media? Yeah. So Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Uh, okay. If you search for open source defense, generally you'll find it. Right. Um, so please go ahead and, and uh, give a like over there or follow. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to do. Um, while while John is here telling us how we could support him, um, everyone go on Instagram and follow opensourcedefense.org. I'm going to go on there right now myself and uh, and follow that. John, how can the folks out there, how can they follow you and help you out, man? Uh, 
on Facebook, Real John Crump, Instagram, Real John Crump, Twitter, Crumpy SS, uh, YouTube, John Crump 2. Um, Hank's going to be on my show at 10 p.m. Eastern on Friday. Uh, you can read my stuff over at Amaland.com. Right. Okay. There you go. Anyway, uh, I am also the Virginia State Director for Gun Owners of America. So you can go to gunowners.org and sign up with the uh, awesome organization. Right. And so here I'm showing everyone right now online opens opens once you actually once you put in open it comes up. You know. Oh, great. Yeah, everyone go over there and follow open uh, open SRC. Yeah, SRC open defense. SRC defense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Go over there, follow follow Chuck, help him out, you know, maybe repost some of the things. And we, we ultimately hear this conversation, I want people to take away from it, like everyone's fighting this battle on different fronts. Some people you guys don't see all the time. Most of you don't see what John is doing behind the scenes that really, really helps out. And I, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have no idea of what Chuck is doing, you know, behind the scenes either. But it's, it's really good, important stuff. And it definitely shows that you could be in California and you can, you can still... You can still help the cause here and fight for the cause. So, uh, on, my, on my part, I really appreciate both of you guys. Yeah, I've seen Chuck go to war for uh, people. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. Thank yeah. you. It was. It definitely had to be tough doing my stuff, Chuck. I'm pretty sure, man. Yeah, no, it was. It was a little bit lonely and a little bit isolating, but uh, I stuck for it as long as I could. I, sorry, I couldn't keep doing it, but I, I gave no. up after uh, after a couple of years and 11 years there. So, I had yeah. enough. No, I appreciate it. Okay, let me drop the end here on everyone. Please, guys, um, go to HankStrange.com and uh, follow us there. Get up on our email list. Thanks to Franklin Armory for sponsoring the show here. I'm going to roll the end. Um, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Uh, thumbs up here. Leave comments. Ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We're going to strip out the audio from this. It's going to go up on iTunes and other places that you all get to see. Uh, you know, that you all listen to, I should say, to, to audiobooks. So thanks so much to everyone. John, Chuck, I really appreciate you guys and everyone out there. We'll see you. Peace out. Any last words, guys? Who's got the last word here? Who's got the last word? Stay in the fight. Absolutely. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. We're out of here. Peace.